0: Guys, know who Philo Farnsworth was? Philo Farnsworth. Yeah. He invented television. I don't mean he invented television like Uncle Milty. I mean he invented the television in a little house in Provo, Utah, at a time when the idea of transmitting, moving pictures through the air would be like me saying I figured out a way to beam us aboard the Starship Enterprise. Yeah. Look, I, I... he was a visionary. He died broke and without fanfare. The guy I really liked, though, was his brother-in-law, Cliff Gardner. He said, Philo, I know everyone thinks you're crazy, but I want to be a part of this. I don't have your head for science, so I'm not going to be able to help much with the design and the mechanics of the invention. But it sounds like you're going to need glass tubes. How would it be if I were to teach myself to be a glass blower and I could set up a little shop? In the backyard, and I could make all the tubes you'll need for testing. There ought to be congressional medals for people like that. Maybe so. I've looked over the notes you've been giving over the last year or so, and I have to say they exhibit an almost total lack of understanding of how to get the best from talented people. Excuse me, but. You said before that for whatever reason I seem to be able to exert some authority around here. I assure you, it's not because they like me. It's because they knew, two minutes after I walked in the door, I'm someone who knows how to do something. I can help. I can make glass tubes. That's what they need. One last thing. The first and last decision-making authority on this show will rest with Isaac Jaffe until Isaac Jaffe says otherwise. And if you disrespect him in my presence again, I will rededicate the rest of my life to ruining the rest of yours. And if you think I'm just mouthing at you... You should ask around about me. I have absolutely no conscience about these things. Sam, why did you bring us out here? Because there's the exit. That's it. The meeting's over.
1: I appreciate that. Well done. Why, hello, it is five minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11. And this, the month of February in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. The talker, this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program. An excursion into... whack and stuff. It's 503-733-2970, 503-733-2970, if you'd like to be a part of today's program, 503-733-2970. It is Friday, and welcome to Day 12. If you'd like to join us with your comments, questions, clarifications, kveches, ruminations, ponderings, musings, uh, limericks, haiku, whatever it is you have today, it's 503-733-2970 so forth. Uh, Richie Bristol is standing by ready, willing and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. Now, so, uh, thank you for uh, coming by. You can email if you like. It is uh, rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at AM or Richie with a T at 970.am. All right, here's what's coming up today. Uh, we have our final pairs of Watchman passes that we're going to be giving away today. And we got two ways to do that, and I'm going to handle that right now, right up top, here out front of the program. Um We have two different things we're going to be doing. One, we will have uh, further installments of our Trivia from the Golden Age of Comics. That's going to be happening uh, probably later on this hour and then probably in the noon hour. Trivia from the Golden Age of Comics. So if you are able to successfully navigate through that field of uh, minutia, you will score yourself a pair of passes to the Watchmen premiere, which is happening Monday night. It's sort of a critic screening, which means, you know, a lot of the times it's just, you know, if you get there at 5 a.m. and you just stand, uh, you know, the line outside the building, you get in, it's like a first come, first serve. That is not the case with this. Because the other thing they typically do with screenings like the Watchman screening on Monday is that, you know, there's 300 seats in the theater. They'll distribute 700 tickets, which is why the ticket always says, uh, you know, this is not a guarantee of admission, you know, seating is limited, you know, get there early, whatever. This is not that. They gave away exactly the number of tickets that there are seats for. In, of, in, for. I don't know how that sentence ends really, like, Uh, correctly. But, uh, anyways, the point is, it's it's kind of a hot commodity. There's only a certain number of them. So we're going to be doing trivia from the Golden Age of Comics. And then later on today, I will announce it when it happens. Uh, It'll be at some point during today's program. So sometime between now and 3 o'clock. The Watchman logo, which is that smiley face uh, button that has the blood spatter on it. At some point during today's program, that logo will appear at the station website, which is 970.am. www.970.am. At some point today, the Watchman logo will appear on the station website. Now, when it does, we'll announce it. And if you are one of the first 25 people to click on it, you will score yourself a pair of passes to the Watchman premiere. It's coming Monday. So you might want to be, it is going to happen at some point during the show. Now, I'll tell you when it's there. But, of course, there's a 40-second delay, and some people are listening online, and some people are already at the site because they're looking at a podcast or whatever. So you might want to be checking the station site every now and again. At some point during today's program, the Watchman logo will appear. You find it, you click on it, and the first 25 people who do so uh, will get a pair of passes. The Monday night's premiere, and after that, the uh, logo's going to be gone. So
2: there you go. It's a thrill-packed day
1: already. Uh, And then today, if you're a glorious bastard, you got a special email that went out. You got it today about uh, Anthony Bourdain, who's coming to town. We're going to be giving away tickets to see Anthony Bourdain. Uh, There was also an email. I mean, it's kind of after the fact now, but uh, we sent out an email that had a little uh, special promo code there so you could get yourself some uh, some pre-sale tickets. So, anyway, good times, my friends. Let's see what else is coming up today. CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us uh, from the Hill. We'll talk to CNN Radio Correspondent Ed McCarthy, Steve Kastenbaum. We will have an encore appearance by our good friend David Walker in the studio later on. We will talk about, talk about the top five unintentionally gay horror films. Scott Dowley will be here from geekinthecity.com. Uh, and we will have another exciting installment of The Greatest Songs Ever Made. So that is all on the agenda. Geek Watch. Uh, a pretty disturbing monkey watch that I pulled that we've got over here. We'll get to that and uh, so forth. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. And we are joined today, as always, by the uh, lovely and talented Sarah Stone. Hello. How are you today?
3: I am very, very good. Are you? I am.
1: Are you excited?
3: I am very excited. Are you
1: happy to be alive? <laughs>
3: It's a good day. Uh, got up super early. I woke up at like 7 this morning. I couldn't fall back asleep. And so I was just laying there and just happy for the weekend and the sun was shining. So got up early and like went to a coffee shop and rode my bike around and stuff. It was really fun.
4: All right, then.
3: And then, yeah, and then Monday, Watchmen, tonight, all kinds of festivities. it you be fun. I'm
1: going to give you a little idea for a product. Somebody ought to do this. Somebody ought to take, because you're wearing a B-side shirt and it's got that mm-hmm. V, instead of a hyphen between the B and the side, it's got one of those... I don't even know what that thing is called. Okay, I'm gonna. I got three things I'm gonna mention right now. Three things that we all know, but for which there are not names. One, that gesture you do with your hand when you're trying to get somebody to speed up their story, and everybody knows the gesture. I'm talking about. Like I do to
3: you all the time.
1: (laughs) It's the wrap it up, and it's like you are. It's like you are. uh, uh, I I don't know. It's it's like you're twirling something around your finger. It's like a hula hooping kind of uh, gesture, but you do it with your hand, and your hand is horizontal, not vertical. I guess there's a different way to describe it. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. So, everybody knows that gesture. To my knowledge, there's no name for it. And I think that's probably the case with a lot of hand gestures, now that I think about it. You could probably... There probably is... I would say there are probably 10, 15, 20, 30 hand gestures that everyone knows and would recognize and that have a universally understood meaning, at least, you know, probably in the United States because these things vary from culture to culture and people to people. But I would imagine there's... I don't know. Probably a couple dozen hand gestures that everybody can recognize. That you know what it means. You don't have any name for it. So there's that. Also this, that thing in the middle of the pizza that keeps the top of the box from smashing down on the cheese. Looks like a little Barbie
3: table. You have always been wondering about that. Because it's been about it for years. Because
1: it's one of it's one of our greatest inventions. I mean, and it's a thing that you've got to wonder if they had invented it 50 years ago and they just held back because they wanted to wait and unveil it later on. Like, like I sort of here's the thing. Like I sort of take it as read that there were. Plans already, like, on the drawing board for a triple-bladed razor, like, 25 years ago. But, in, you know, so they invented everything at once, but they just sort of parcel out those upgrades to the product as time goes on. They want to give it to... You know, in other words, if they just rolled out the, uh, you know, like the Gillette Mach 3 or something in 1978, then what are they going to be selling you now? So they create all the features, and then they just parcel them out about every four years they give you one. So I figured the pizza box thing must have already existed because it's unfathomable to me that we ever had a time where... Like, you would get the pizza, and the thing would just be smashed down to the top of it, and then you open the box, and the top of the pizza comes with it, and it's just disaster. So there's that. (coughs) Pardon me. And then the third thing is the thing that is on Sarah's shirt, and it is...
3: The plastic piece, I think.
1: It is that yellow plasticky thing that looks like a rounded-off swastika that you put inside a 45 that adapts it so it can go on the little needle on your, you know, not the needle, but the, the spindle or whatever on your record player. And everybody knows what I'm talking about. And it's it, it's three sort of prongs that are all. It looks like a radial saw blade meets a swastika, and there's just no other way to describe it except it's all rounded off. Everybody knows exactly what that thing is, and it's a universally understood symbol. You see that, you know that it's for vinyl records. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's any actual name for it. I think mm-hmm. you call it like a forty-five adapter or something.
3: I the other one was like a B-side adapter.
1: But see, there's well, but, but there's lots of forty-five adapters. So if you look at my record player at home, there's one that's actually just. It's actually just a full circle. It's just it's sort of a, it's just a round metal cylinder. Uh, you know But that thing that you have on your shirt right there, that is a very specific kind of, of adapter for a record. And I don't know why it's always yellow. I don't know why it's in that shape. I don't know why it's got the little prongs that stick off the side. There's something very sort of peculiar about the way that it's designed, but they must have arrived at that design you know intentionally. I mean, it has
3: to mean some. You're right. It does look like a swastika.
1: But what would you call it? If you like, if you had to describe that design. I would, to say, to I would
3: say an adapter, like a B-side adapter. If you mm. have it right.
1: All right. Well, in any event, I'm just saying. Mm.
3: And tonight, we're going to Storms for dinner.
1: That's right. Um, Lots
3: of bacon and wine.
1: So we. Uh, I, did she say that she's making bacon?
3: Yeah, that's the, uh, the email that she wrote to us.
1: I read the email this morning, but I was kind of asleep and I hadn't had my caffeine, so I didn't really Good retain thing. it. Hey either. guys, hope
3: you guys are still down to hang out. Uh, there will be bacon involved. By the way, when we say
1: we're going to Storm's for dinner, that's not like you. That's not all of us. Like, <laughs> Amber, you're not, all, not everyone's invited. Uh, everybody to show up and be, be pounding on Storm's front door, so to speak. Uh, so Sarah and I are having dinner with uh, Storm Large and Davey Nipples tonight, just because... Just because. because, I guess. Yeah,
3: so. she's and she is an amazing cook. See, now I heard that, but it's it, no, it's it's freakish. Like it, it's like no no detail is overlooked. Like I go there and you feel like you're at a grown-up's house. Really? Like oh, there are candles on the table. Like all the silverware and like dishes are laid out. There are courses. Like different glasses for different things. Like soft music playing in the background. Perfect lighting.
1: Am I gonna feel unsophisticated?
3: Oh, you, we always do. Come on.
1: I mean, you know, the thing about Storm and Davy is they are sort of amazing. I mean. Look, I mean, for a woman who sings about her vagina a lot and a guy whose last name is Nichols, they really do seem amazingly with it and grown up and mature. Oh, quite a lot of the time.
3: They're totally classy. Have you ever seen their house?
1: Uh, I have actually. I was gonna. I was actually just gonna ask you, have you ever seen their bedroom, Sarah?
3: <laughs> I did a long time ago, the one in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: because when Joni and I interviewed Davey uh, for the Dirtbag documentary with all old records
3: and stuff.
1: Yeah, and it's got, and it's uh, their uh, the bedroom wall is all that. It's like that uh, rough sort of rock. Mm. the one of the walls you know, I don't know even what you call it but it's like a granite wall almost anyway that house is up there is really quite something so anyway yeah. so
0: there you go so that's I'm what we're doing tonight night.
1: alright uh, and so forth hello Richie Bristol how are you today good alright how are Fantastic. you I'm, uh, I'm okay I'm a little under, uh, under rested I didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night because you know lara has gone she left yesterday afternoon she's in Provo uh, where apparently it's just like ass cold and it just sucks and you know so it's just a whole lot of just a whole lot of weirdness going there. But so she's gone and then you know that's the thing. If I sleep, a I sleep really badly when she's not around anyway. Wait, there's an off air alarm somewhere. Okay. Um, yeah, we're still in there. Sorry, uh, there's a, there's this weird shrieking alarm that goes off in the hallway here whenever one of the stations has gone off the air. Yeah, and there's like this go thing that goes off. And then we always have to check to make sure it's us. Um, so I sleep really badly when she's not around anyway, just because, you know, you're used to somebody else being there and blah, 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 blah. And plus it was just just unbelievably cold uh, at my house last night. I just don't, I don't know why. And typically... Oh, I
3: love sleeping in the cold.
1: See, that's the thing. So do I. Because my whole deal is this, and I think this is... Typically, not always, but it's typically a guy thing because I think women typically like the house or the bedroom order to be a lot warmer. They no, live- even in the
3: winter, I sleep with a fan sort of
1: cozy. on. Me. I sleep well. I got to have the, the ceiling fan. All here's three things I need to sleep uh, because I'm an I'm an anal retentive obsessive compulsive freak. A, I got to have the fan going, some kind of fan. We have a ceiling fan in our bedroom, which sort of does the job. Me too. I mean, you know, worse comes to worse, I get a little clippy fan that I can sort of clip onto the headboard.
3: I want to could... see how many things... Uh, how some
1: ceiling noise. fan, I got to have the white noise going. Me too. So I actually have a white noise generator from Brookstone that I purchased, which is a fantastic investment. That's because the Sharper Image white noise generator now lives in one of our suitcases because I got tired of us going on vacation. Then we get to the hotel room and we realize we didn't have the white noise generator. Which, by the way, I know we sound like the lamest, whitest people on I Earth right now. I can't
3: sleep I bring mine to my parents' house. I'm
1: not really able to sleep well unless I have my Sharper Image white noise generator. Can you help me out with that? Uh, so we have one from the Sharper Image. But I get tired of us going on vacation and we get to the hotel room and then I realize we can't really fall asleep uh, because we don't have like the white noise thing. So then I'm doing that jazz of taking the... Uh, taking the, the clock radio in the hotel room and putting it between channels to try to get, like, the static. But then it always hooks up with some marimba station at about 4 in the morning. So I'm trying to sleep, and then suddenly an accordion just starts blaring out of the thing while I'm deep in the REM cycle. So the sharper Image white noise generator moves to the suitcase. It stays there now forever, so whenever we travel, it's right there. Uh, the new white noise generator from Brookstone sits right next to the bed. So I got the fan, I got the white noise generator, and then it's got to be like ice cold in the bedroom because it's that great, and I think there have been actual scientific studies that sort of back this up, that it is the, it is the combination of the really cold air in the bedroom and then the really, you know, like the actual inside, you know, like under the covers being very warm, that puts you to sleep. Mm-hmm. So the bedroom is cold, all the surrounding air is cold, but then you're in the bed and it's all, it's all snugly warm and cozy and then you, you fall asleep immediately.
3: That's exactly what I do. I, I surround myself with pillows and I have but I have one more step, so you I'll have easily. a sleepy
1: mask you put on. I
3: don't I don't use a sleepy mask anymore. I need to get one though because the light keeps waking me up. And I
1: realize I'm a grown man and i just called it a sleepy mask, but no, I mean what are you gonna do? do? I think that's what Lovey Howell called no, it, so it in the Island.
3: I have the fan, I have the white noise generator. But what I also have which doesn't make any Wait, sense. don't
1: tell me, you leave the TV on.
3: No, I used to, I don't anymore. Okay. Um I sleep with earplugs.
5: Oh, well, nah,
3: So enough. it's weird because I have earplugs, but at the same time I have all these, like, noises going on. But uh, so it's like a dull hum right. that I can hear. So because my neighbor upstairs is a teacher, and so she wakes up at, like, 6 a.m. So I'll, it's my routine. Like, I won't put them in when I go to sleep, then I'll, I'll hear her, and I'll put in my earplugs and go back to sleep.
1: By the way, how weird is it that I, although I clearly need to update my Sarah Dillon info card in my head, How weird is it that I knew, at least at a certain point in your life, all the things you needed to sleep? I knew you left the TV on. I knew you had the sleeping mask on. Uh,
3: I had to wean myself off the TV because the light would start waking me up in the middle of the night.
1: So, uh, anyway, but I I realized this is why I'm a little uh, wacky today from not sleeping all that much, is because all of these calculations I've made to sleep well at night... You know, ceiling fan on, white noise generator, cold in the bedroom, whatever. Especially the temperature, it's all predicated on the fact that usually Lara's there. And so, of course, it's like double, you know, there's two people, double the body heat and whatever. And so the bed, you know, it's a lot warmer. And then the dogs always seem to find their way, uh, you know, onto the foot of the bed at some point. But I realize now without her, it's still too cold. And I don't know, I woke up at, I don't know, it must have been like 2.33 in the morning. And it's that, that cold where it's just so unbelievably cold that you almost don't want to get up to take steps to fix it. And you're sitting there miraculously thinking, maybe I'll somehow just warm up, but you know in the back of your mind you're not going to get any warmer, like you've been in bed for three hours. It's not going to get any warmer. In fact, it's probably only going to get colder. And so I'm sitting there like 2.30 in the morning, like, oh, so very cold. I can't sleep. I should get up. Oh, it's even colder out there. Oh, for the love of God. And so here are all the steps I took this morning to try to get warm enough that I could fall back asleep. First, uh, you know, and the dogs were both sleeping on the foot of the bed because they kind of jumped up there. So what do I do? I re- This is such a. I mean, it's just such like a low rent. I mean, I might as well be living in an Appalachian shack. I re- I reach down to the foot of the bed and I pick up Max, who is our sort of smaller dog, and I stick Max underneath the covers. I'm like, eh, sleep underneath the covers next to me, <clears throat> and I put Max sort of next to me like a space heater underneath the, underneath the covers, and I figure, okay, that'll work. I wake up about half an hour later. I'm still unbelievably cold. This is this morning. It's probably maybe around 3.30 in the morning. So Max is, of course, sleeping soundly next to me. I'm still cold. What do I do? Well, I got one more, dog. I'll try that. So I lean down to the... Because I'm trying to find solutions that don't involve me getting up and out of bed into the bedroom where it's going to be even colder. And plus, you're still trying to maintain some kind of... You know, you don't want to wake totally up. Because then you're afraid you'll never get back to sleep. So I'm trying to find all of these solutions that don't involve me getting out of bed. So I'm reaching down, and fi- I am I get the second dog, Philo. I'm like, all right, uh, Philo, here, sleep next to Max. So now I'm under the covers with two dogs and the covers wrapped around me as tightly as I can possibly get them, trying to get it warm enough that I can fall asleep. That doesn't work. So then I'm trying to find more clothes to put on. So then I'm rooting around by the side of the bed, and I'm finding, like, you know, like, the dirty socks that are there and, like, a second T-shirt. And, you know, finally, that's not enough. So then I just bite the bullet, and I get up and realize... You know, I can have the, the boxer short thing going on. So I don't have, like, pajamas or whatever, like full pajama pant things like you always see in Leave it to Beaver. So I'm just wandering around the house trying to find some pants that I can sleep in that aren't going to be sufficiently chafed away. Maybe go to sleep in jeans. So, so I end up finding this pair of Lara's pajamas that are bright blue with huge snowflakes on them. So if you had seen me this morning, it would have been me in a Motley Crue T-shirt on top of a Pirate Skull t-shirt with bright blue pajamas with snowflakes on them, with one black sock and one white sock, sleeping next to two small dogs underneath the covers, desperately trying to stay asleep. So there you go. So if you ever ask yourself exactly how unsophisticated and rube-like is Rick Emerson, exactly how deep does the
2: trash go, there you go. There's
1: the answer, kids. All right. On that note, uh, we'll take these two mystery calls up top. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Lisa Desjardins. Still to come, Watchman Passes, Uh, Scott Dowley from geekinthecity.com, David Walker, uh, and we will have another installment of the greatest songs ever made. Hello, hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. What's up?
6: Hello. uh, You probably know this since you seem to know all these uh, tedious details. But uh, I think what you're describing is a two dog night, and apparently last night was a three dog night.
5: Yeah.
1: The, see, mm-hmm. By the way, that is, of course, the band of the same name. They got that from I guess it's like a Eskimo term or some some such where it's like you got to have like the, you know, like you have a pack of dogs or whatever when you're living in an igloo, whatever it is they do. And it's like it's yeah, how many dogs have to sleep next to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I
6: think they're actually trained to like warm the beds up before you even got in there.
1: Okay. Can I just tell you this? Okay. Since we're just gonna since we're just leaping headlong uh, into this discussion. At the risk of sounding A, trashy, and B, like one of those freakish dog families, Laura and I have tried to figure out how to train the dogs to go, like, sleep in the bed for about half an hour before she goes to bed, because she goes to bed way before I do, and it's like, we'll go and we'll put the dog, we've gone so far as to put the dogs in the bed and then pull the covers up over them, hoping that they will go to sleep and stay there for half an hour so when she gets in bed it's not cold, but they hear us, like, moving around in the living room and the kitchen, and they always leave the bedroom coming out thinking that we're going to give them food, so that doesn't really work, but I'm trying to get them to do that, so... All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye. All right. One more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
7: Hey, just uh, plug in a uh, heating
8: pad, jam that under the bed. When it gets cold like that, turn it on and throw it between your legs.
1: Somewhere it's we nice have warm. we have an electric blanket somewhere, actually, that we used to use. Uh, and I think we packed it up uh, when summer got here, and the thing is, I have no idea where it is. Like, when it got warm, the electric blanket got stuffed in the basement in a box, and Laura would know where, but of course she's in Provo, and I couldn't really call her at four in the morning. But I was thinking that this morning, sir, that i would got to go find the electric blanket, because the electric blanket is one of the greatest inventions, like, in the history of all mankind. That the, was weird. The phone, not so much. <laughs> the hell was that? It was like he was sucked into a vacuum while we were talking. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, we'll take a break here. We'll come back after this with Lisa Desjardins and more of your phone calls. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Friday. Keep listening. Emerson radio program at 503 2970 503-733-2970. Coming up here in just a moment, we will talk to CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Later on, Steve Kastenbaum, uh, Ed McCarthy, David Walker will be here. Watchman Passes as well. We'll be uh, doing trivia from the golden age of comics for Watchmen Passes. And then at some point today, At some point during today's program, the Watchman logo, uh, which is the smiley face button with the blood spatter on it, that will be appearing somewhere on the station website, which is www.com. 9:70 a.m. that'll be appearing somewhere on the station website today. So, when that happens, if you're one of the first 25 people to click on the logo, uh, you will score a pair of passes to Watchmen. After 25 people have clicked on it, uh, it will be uh, gone, baby gone. So, um, that's going to be at some point, and it's not going to be necessarily on the front page. Might be, but might not be. it be buried somewhere on the site. Uh, so, you've got to be uh, keeping an eye on it. And apparently, uh, somebody noted that the uh, website apparently is operating as something of a crawl right now, because people are already looking for it. So, you might want to be I'm just saying you got a spare moment uh you you might want to be looking into that, so that is all on the way. uh this one says Rick uh about watchmen um now this is I already answered this like on Monday, it really is not going to be like a first come first serve thing in the sense that they have't they haven't over ticketed it, which they sometimes do, where they'll distribute twice as many tickets as our seats uh, or whatever uh this says Rick, we have a heated mattress pad. you can turn it on thirty minutes before you go to bed and either sleep with it on or not. And in the summer, you don't have to turn it on. We love ours. This is why someday, and I don't care if it's like an old guy thing or not, I'm completely going to get one of those craftmatic adjustable beds where it's, you know, it's like half of the bed can elevate while the other half reclines, Mm -hmm. and then it has like the big, uh, like the vibral thing and like the heating thing or whatever. I'm totally going to get that. I have no shame about it. And I know it's a thing that they market like for your grandparents doesn't matter to No, me. it's
3: supposed to be, like, super awesome. I am. No, I'm all,
1: I'm all over that. I'm all for just a huge, luxurious uh, mattress. Cause I mean, you,
3: we were talking about it. Yeah, I, I love my bed. Like, I, I sleep with all my pillows. Like, I sleep in a mountain of pillows with a bunch of blankets. Like, you want to be comfortable. Well,
1: because you spend, like, a third of your life in bed. So, I mean, there's really there's no point in it being, you know, it's not like you're going to be you're sleeping in a prison cell or something. So, I've seen your bed where you have the full-on, you just have the sea of pillows that just I goes on like bed. to the horizon. Yeah, and
3: I have, like, you know, four, like a poster bed. Like a fort, and it has so I have like Christmas lights, like these white twinkle lights all around the top of it, and then I have like my dresses hanging on one side, and then I have this big red velvet, you know, like bedspread with a down comforter underneath it, and then a billion whole, pillows.
1: You have this, yeah, and you have this. Uh, I don't know your and your place is so cool looking, but it's so weird looking at the same time. I mean, it's sort of like it. I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's <laughs> it's, weird. it's like it's like it's like
3: what's going on in my head. I <laughs> was
1: just gonna say, being in your apartment is like being in your head. I think. I mean, if I I were to somehow take your head and just to, like, externalize everything that's going on in your brain into a place, to make it a visual representation of what's going on inside your brain, it would be your apartment. It is like this weird being John Malkovich kind of a thing, uh, where it's like to walk into your place is to walk into your consciousness. This email says, Rick, the white noise generator from Sharper Image is great. Most of the time, it masks out the irritating neighbors that like to expose uh, all of us to their wild sexual escapades. Too bad it doesn't bleep out the putrid smell of weed. Uh, I don't know what the deal is uh, with these darn adolescent-type tenants. They're a pain in the ass. All right, well, there you go. (laughs) I don't, uh, all right. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, Mm -hmm. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you? Hey, hello. Uh, how's life? How are things?
9: Um, uh, it's good. I like the idea of, like, the, like, twinkling lights above Sarah's four-poster bed. <laughs> it's
3: very comfortable.
9: <laughs> it sounds really cool.
1: Sarah's, uh, apartment is something, because I know that they're talking about selling that building out from underneath you would some No, so they point. already
3: sold it. I'm waiting, um, my contract, or my contract, my, um... My lease is up at the end of March, and so I'm waiting to see if they're going to, like, increase the rent or what they're going to do. you
4: got to take – if you
1: have to move, though, you got to take a whole series of photographs of your apartment the way it is now. No, I don't have to
3: move. I really don't. I hope that they wouldn't be cruel during these tough economic times. And <laughs> What, I, I, what I, I,
1: with I, the recession I, I, and all?
3: Dude, so that's on a pitch, and I'm like, really? You're going to, like, up my rent in the you know the worst recession?
1: During a recession? Mm-hmm. That should be the way that it, people end every single request or – The way that they respond to every request made of them, a request they don't want to actually have to act upon. You know what I mean? Hey, uh, I need you to go uh, clean out the inside of the microwave because it's kind of splattered with food. Really? During a recession, you're asking me to do that? And then just stare at them and just see what they say.
9: (laughs) Or even I might, you know, um, it's a 30-minute wait for a table. But... During a recession, do you understand? I,
1: you know, I'm just saying tough
9: it, times. Do you want me to wait thirty minutes for a table?
1: It's worth a try. It really is. Yeah, you know what you could please. probably. Okay, I'm going to give you an idea for a story right now. You know what you could do, Lisa? You could do a story on this. Uh, this is this could be your sort of um, this could be like your Genie Mose style uh, okay. story where you know where it's the sort of quirky human element as an adjunct to just the hard economic data of a story. You could do this. I don't even know if it's really happening, but you could say that it's happening and then see if you could actually create the phenomenon just by reporting on it. You could talk about how haggling is making a comeback in America, even at places and in businesses where you wouldn't typically haggle, like haggling at a restaurant. (laughs) You should totally
9: say, just say that. Give it a try. That's right.
1: You should completely say that people are beginning to haggle in restaurants during the recession and then, uh, you know, and then just see if that gets any traction.
9: Along those lines, at the grocery
1: store. I look. I uh, I used to work with a guy. My friend Todd used to do this, just because, you know, he's one of those guys who just, uh, as uh, as Douglas Copeland used to say, was a bit of a culture jammer. You know, he just uh, he just liked to do things that were not, you know, that they weren't they weren't rude and they weren't obnoxious. His whole thing was just to do things. You know, they were just two or three degrees off from normal behavior. Again, not off-putting and not disrespectful or discourteous, but just slightly off-center from the way that people typically behaved just to sort of see what the reaction was, you know, of people around him. So, for example, here's a classic Todd thing. He would see somebody, like, in the break room or, like, you know, at the lunch counter who was, you know, eating, Right. and his thing is he would come up and he would go, hey, are you eating? And then what? And the, the number of people who, while eating, if you asked them really earnestly if they were eating, about half the time they would actually stop and there was a vapor lock in their brain for three or four seconds before they could <laughs> respond because you could tell they weren't quite sure why he was asking or what the question really meant. And they would just sort of pause and you could hear all the gears grinding together in their head while they tried to figure out how to respond. <laughs> and then sometimes they would actually say, What do you mean? Um, here's another one. I remember being in a restaurant with him one time when I lived in Washington State, and this was the first time I actually saw it done. We, he and I were having dinner together for some reason, and we ate and whatever. And he was going to get dessert, and he actually told me he's like, he's like, hey, I'm going to haggle with the guy over the price of dessert. And this is not like it's some family owned, even like a you know a taco cart or something. And it's like right. it, like an actual. I think it might have been a chain restaurant. And he's like, I'm going to haggle with the guy over the pie. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He goes, nah, I'm not going to pay this uh, this menu price. I'll get it for less. And so the guy comes over and the guy goes. And uh would you care for any dessert today? And Todd says, yeah, I'll have the blueberry pie a la mode, please. And uh how much is that? And the waiter says, well, a la mode, that'll be $3.75. Uh, and Todd says, eh, no, I don't feel good about that. I'll, look, I'll give you two. And the guy said, what? He goes, yeah, three seventy-five. I don't think so. I, I'll give you $2 for that. And the guy said, well, no, it's three seventy five and 75 And um um look, you want to sell me the pie. I want to eat the pie. I'll give you $3 right now. Uh, because otherwise, I'm just not gonna. Ha- I'm not gonna be able to get it at all. It's just not gonna. Not gonna work. And the guy. The guy looked at us for a while, and then he actually just said, "Well." Uh- I guess that's okay. And he just accepted $3 oh, for yeah. the pie. It was the weirdest thing. Wow. And it was like some weird Jedi. It was like that thing in Swingers where Vince Vaughn just, like, gets the waitress to agree to meet them later with her right, hot right, friend. Right,
9: right, It's or all very strange. Yeah, the Seinfeld where he's got the girlfriend that just can do the Jedi mind trick. On yeah. Him.
1: So, anyway, you should do a story about how Haggling is making a comeback, though, at, like, Blockbuster Video.
9: Meanwhile, I would love a piece of blueberry pie right now.
1: Well, by the that. way, well, I uh, I, I hate to have you kept distracted mentioning you. It. Well, now, do you, when you say uh, blueberry pie, do you prefer with whipped cream, with uh, ice cream, neither, or both?
9: I do like the warm with ice cream. Yeah, I do like right. that. Well, let me ask you this: Where it's do you fall down? The wrong way.
1: Where do you fall on the big uh, slice of cheddar cheese on top of your apple pie question? No. See, I'm not with that either, and I don't understand people who are.
9: I guess by it i'm I'm in favor of being creative, you know, being different i'm I'm good i I like that people do that, but I just don't like it.
1: Let me ask you this we we could probably do an entire high concept topic on this at some point. in fact, I'm gonna write it down right now. Hold on high concept uh, high concept on, um and here's what we could do. We could do an entire high concept topic on this odd combinations of food that are nonetheless very widespread. Like the oh, cheddar yeah. cheese on apple pie, which I don't like that. Sarah doesn't like it. You don't like it. I don't, in fact, know anybody who likes it, and yet it's a thing that you see referenced all the time, sort That's of culturally. True. Yeah. It's a strange combination, and I don't really know anybody who fancies it, and yet it seems to be out there. Here's another one. And I know this is typically, a, this is a chick thing. It is uh, like French fries dipped in your milkshake. I don't know any guys who what? do that.
9: I have never heard about that. No, such no.
1: Sarah, French fries in your milkshake, yes?
9: Really? Mm.
3: You
1: know girls who do that? No. See, I've that known... sounds like
3: it might be good, like the salty and chocolate. I could see it being good,
9: though, yeah. Uh,
1: it, it, and to be fair, it's a thing I haven't seen a lot since high school, but I remember in high school, uh, it, like, you'd go to, like, McDonald's or Burger King or whatever, and it, it, constantly you would see some girl over there, and not like a paste-eating girl either, like a normal girl, and she would be dipping her fries into her milkshake. And it's a thing that just the whole notion of it is revolting to me, but it's fairly widespread. It's I've seen good it happen. to me.
9: All right. I'm, I'm just really hungry. But yeah, yeah, I think the only one I can think of, I don't know if it's is good enough, is... Uh, very, very popular in the South is, of course, putting the coleslaw on top of your barbecue. Uh, see,
5: barbecue no.
1: sandwich. No, or, and not.
9: also with the French fries on top of that. So you've got the French fries, coleslaw, barbecue sandwich.
1: I was going to say, there's the French fries that are actually... Now, they've also got this thing, too, now where they've started in some restaurants to start baking the fries into the sandwich. Well, what? Yeah, so like, no, no idea. No, no, no. no I've, like, I've seen this uh, where sometimes they will take, like with a hamburger, and they will actually take French fries that are somewhat or largely cooked and they will put the French fries in the actual hamburger patty, patty. And then they and then they cook the patty so the French fries cook inside uh-huh. the hamburger patty.
9: Oh, that sounds great.
1: Yeah. At a certain point, though, it's like America almost can't... At a certain point in America, you almost have to start making rules about what counts as an unusual food combination. Because right. we do seem to be leading the world in terms of stunt food. <laughs> By which I mean, you know, there's always like at some state fair where a guy is selling a sandwich that has 4,000 calories... Because it's got half a cow and fifteen scoops of chocolate ice cream
9: on it. The deep fried candy bar was big for a while.
1: Exactly. Or that I was just talking to my wife about this. My, have you ever seen that show Heavyweights on the Food Channel? No. Oh, dude, Heavyweights is the best show ever. I mean, it's like a little confection of a show. It has zero calories in it. I mean, you watch it, you watch it and forget about it. But what Heavyweights does is they take a uh, a fast food or a very popular, uh, you know, like a. a a commercially available food product, and they will examine the two biggest players in that food and how they both came to be and then their competition. For example, Hagen dazs versus Ben & Jerry's.
6: Oh, oh, that's cool.
1: uh, Hershey's versus Mars uh, in in chocolate. Uh, But we saw when it was Domino's versus Pizza Hut, and they talk about how Domino's pioneered in a delivery, but Pizza Hut actually pioneered the franchise pizza place. I mean, Pizza Hut pioneered the pizza chain. And then we started talking about that business, which I quite like, by the way of Pizza Hut putting extra cheese inside the crust.
9: Inside the, right, on the outside part of the crust.
1: And my wife was, a, was she, she was not for that. She was it. And but I'm a big fan of that.
9: Really? I've never tasted it, but I have to say I'm against it in concept.
1: No, 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 no. It's, it's, now, here's the thing. When you have that Pizza Hut, if they st- I don't even know if they still sell it, but that Pizza Hut pizza that has the cheese inside the crust, you got to divorce yourself from the idea that it's regular pizza cheese, too. It's almost like you've taken one of those tubes of string cheese,
9: okay. put it inside
1: yes. the crust, and then melted it.
9: Right, and that's why I feel like, I don't know, I just, I don't know, it doesn't seem right. All right. Because I, I enjoy the Pizza Hut crust, yeah. as it is.
1: I don't even Love know. Love it. I don't even know what we're supposed to be talking. Oh, it's, you know, are, Oh, yeah. Believe it or not, here's what you're actually talking about today. I know, yeah. Should the but, government get involved in the content of talk radio?
9: <laughs> Let's have a go.
1: Has it become too slanted? Uh, Is there too much discussion on dairy products mixed with other products and available? (laughs) Is
9: there too much? Does government just step in here and say, guys?
1: Is there too much time being spent discussing funnel cakes and not enough time spent discussing
9: elephant ears? Yes. You know what the situation is here? This is the fairness doctrine, which, which maybe some of your listeners are aware of. Big issue for conservative talk radio because... Democrats will bring it up. It's the idea that you have to have even, uh, maybe even amount of time between Republicans and Democrats. And Democrats are always saying, oh, but Rush Limbaugh just consumes the airwaves. And it's not fair. There's not a Democratic voice the way there's a conservative voice on the airwaves. And, you know, conservatives will say, well, uh, that's because you guys don't, you guys, Well, what they should say is that's because you guys aren't angry the way that we're angry. and, And you just don't listen to that kind of radio. But, um, There's a question as to whether Democrats will try and force this to happen. And in the end, they voted yesterday in the Senate to block this idea of a fairness doctrine. Never going to happen. Never going to happen, but Democrats may try to change um, radio and TV ownership. They feel like radio and TV are owned by too few companies, which probably some Republicans might agree with, too. However, how do you split that up? It gets very tricky and very political when you're talking about who should control what in the media world. They're sort of just starting down that path of dealing with who owns Broadcast companies.
1: Well, and I mean, just, I was talking to somebody about this. My friend Chris Sneathen and I were talking about this on Saturday. We were at a shindig, and he was like, What's up with the Fairness Doctrine? And I was like, Never going to happen. Are you
9: kidding me? You were were at some kind of party talking about the Fairness Doctrine?
1: I was at a party at a comic book store, of all all things, (laughs) and talking with someone about the Fairness Doctrine. Wow. And I was noting that it's never going to happen because, uh, just real quickly, and this is just to silence the sort of nitwit moveon.org contingent in the audience. It's never going to happen because. First of all, it would take a lot of political capital to push it through. You'd have to burn a lot of political capital if you're the Obama administration. And they're not going to do it because in the end, they're not going to waste political capital on something that's not going to satisfy their sort of, uh, you know, their idiot far left base because it doesn't do what people think it does anyway. People think that the fairness doctrine means equal time, meaning... That if you have five hours of conservative programming, you have to have five hours of liberal programming, and that's not what it means. The fairness doctrine it at probably least
9: probably wouldn't. That's right. No, and
1: that's not what it meant. You know, when it, you know until Reagan got rid of it, that's okay. not what it meant. What it means is that if you're presenting a so a so-called divisive or polarizing issue, you simply have to talk about all the different sides or angles. But it There's doesn't a hit on it. Yeah. it. It doesn't say what a divisive issue is. It doesn't say who could. In other words. You could say right now that a show like uh, Bill O'Reilly or Rush Limbaugh or this show is in fact covered under the Fairness Doctrine because I do give, you know, I mention the other side of an issue and, you know, and then I follow that with disparaging and ad hominem attacks. But still, I mention it. So <laughs> technically speaking, I am I am following the letter of the law. So it doesn't do what people think it does, and they're not going to waste any political capital on it. Yeah, I, I think so. there's
9: a big brouhaha in my mind. I, don't yeah. know. I think from both sides, it's just Democrats that are mad that they don't have – a Democratic Rush Limbaugh, and then it's Republicans who are maybe a little bit nervous, but I think who mostly like to get mad about stuff like this and see that this is a great chance to get all of their people, uh, you know, all incensed and they're going with it.
5: Yeah.
1: Well, and the reason that there is no Democratic uh, Rush Limbaugh is because whenever they try to put one on, no one listens to it. That's the end of the story. No,
9: it's not not, uh, how Uh, that goes. uh, Just just get over it. Move uh, on. uh,
1: Exactly. On uh, on that note, uh, big plans for your weekend.
9: Um uh just, just um you know just random stuff. <laughs> okay, and we're done. Excellent. I do not I do it like I am doing volunteer all right. that kind of thing. I don't want to be all uh, like aren't I, you know, whatever. Right,
1: you're going to go off, you're going to go read to the blind. Uh no, and then you're going to raise a barn.
9: Cleaning up poor inner city schools.
1: I'll oh, see now I feel like a bad person for that mocking. Kind of all thing. right. Enjoy your uh, your uh, afternoon, your week. I'll talk to you soon, Lisa.
9: Okay, great. Thank Bye. you. there
1: you go. All right, fantastic. I couldn't tell she's if she was so wholesome and sweet. Seriously, and I couldn't tell if she was winding me up or not uh, when she's like, "I volunteer," and I was like, "Is she saying? Is she? In other words, is she of sort of?" She does. But I thought she might have been sort of joking in the sense that, like, she knows kind of what her image is, and she was sort of like joking, play, you know, like playing around, like being a little meta with her own image. And then, of course, no, no, no. She, you know, she's gonna go clean up inner cities. I'm gonna be sitting at home eating, doing nothing. <laughs> uh hello let's welcome now to the uh, rick emerson show from new york city CNN radio correspondent steve Casterbaum. hello steve hey how are you i am fantastic i will not be uh volunteering for anybody or helping anybody with anything this weekend just fyi
7: oh, okay i just... it easy it's, it's going to be some rick time
1: yeah it's exact. taking personal days uh, for myself this weekend steve you deserve it I, I really do i mean i deserve a break today and tomorrow and sunday as well so <sighs> and so forth quite a week we've had um all right. So, did I read this story incorrectly uh, this morning, or is the government now going to have? It's not a majority share uh, in in in, in, in it, it, this is Citibank, Citigroup. Because I know there's like a lot of late late breaking news on this and whatever. But I mean, so the kind of bottom line, this for me, where is the government in terms of the banking industry right now in this country?
7: Okay. So when the federal government gave Citibank billions of dollars uh, as part of the TARP funds, they in exchange got what we call preferred. Stock, preferred shares of stock, which pays a dividend, uh, and they get that money no matter what. Uh, the government decided uh, in a show of support for Citigroup to try to, to, try to you know, drum up uh, confidence in this bank that's been ailing despite the government aid. They converted uh, a lot of their preferred stock into what's called common stock, the stock that you and I can buy out in the open market, and you're taking more of a chance. It's completely dependent on the bank uh, doing well if you want to make a profit. So they're going to own 36% of uh, Citigroup's common stock, which means you and I will now own part of Citigroup and every other American. So congratulations. We just bought a bank.
1: That's right. Do I get a calendar or a pen or something or maybe some Post-it notes?
7: I'm sure we can arrange that.
2: Oh, all right. So, so go ahead.
7: So basically, the, the, the idea was to you know, not only uh, instill confidence but uh, you know, make it easier for the bank to uh, lend more money. Well, I was, I've been watching the stock all day, and so far it hit a low point of a dollar fifty a share. One of the three largest banks in the United States selling at a dollar fifty a share. Unbelievable! You know, you
1: know that's you know one of our very fine sponsors, Viso. More of everything good. Uh, a fine, tasty, wholesome, all natural beverage made and sold right here in Portland, Oregon. I mean, you know, a bottle of Viso actually costs more than a share of Citigroup stock. than right mm-hmm. now, that's where we're at with this.
7: It costs more to use a, city, a Citibank ATM if you're not a, you know, a client of the bank than it does to actually buy a share of its stock.
1: Well, that's fantastic. And by the way, I mean, look, I don't know a whole lot about uh, about stuff and things and whatnot, but doesn't it seem like we ought to just stop lending people money for a while? I mean, maybe take a good year where we just don't lend anybody any money for anything.
7: That's what's going on now. I, I, essentially, it's really hard for a, a whole segment of society, whether it's in business or uh, just on the personal level, to, to get a loan, to get credit. You know, if you've got really good credit and you've got a job and you've got the salary continues to come in, then then, then you're fine. But there's a whole sector of society that can't get credit right now.
1: And it seems to me, because I know that's one of the banks have been saying, well, we need to get the stimulus money we need to get the, you know, we needed this bailout so that we can get back to the business of loaning people money. I mean, it seems like there's... This is kind of a binary thing to me. You okay? You've either got a job or you don't. If you have a job, uh, you know, you're, you're making money. You've got an income. If you are making, and I know I'm, these I'm speaking in broad, oversimplified generalizations, but for the most part, if you got a job, you're making an income. Right. If you are making an income that is below the poverty level, or if you've got, you know, you got family, your kids, or whatever, you're just not able to cover it. Then there are governmental programs for that. There's welfare. There's, there's, uh, you know, there's food stamps. There's, you know, all kinds... Of, you know, there's social services programs, which I wholeheartedly support. If you are not employed, then you've got unemployment coming in. If you're unemployed for protracted periods of time and also below the poverty level, you've got welfare, you've got that. So it seems like one way or the other, a lot of this is really handled. If you were having to go borrow money right now, unless you really got just, just an absolutely fantastical idea for a business venture, I mean, just something that's mind-blowingly great, uh-huh. Seems like if you're having to borrow money right now, that means you're not handling the money you already had uh, very well. So
10: you know what
7: else is a problem? If you if you're a small business person right now, that line of credit that you used to depend on to keep your your company running, it's still completely dried up. Right. And 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 it's drying up more and more every day. Uh, for instance, you know, not too long ago, American Express. You know, they they have those. Uh, the corporate credit card with that line of credit that they market towards uh, small businesses mm-hmm. to help them operate on a daily basis, you know, because if you're running a small business, sometimes it takes a while for, for the payments to come in from your clients. Basically, they, they 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 sort of just shrunk that to next to nothing. I have a friend who has a small business, and he's like, I can't do business anymore. My American Express line of credit, small business uh, line of credit, is, is dried up. They they took it away.
1: Hey, I'm going to ask you a question, and I, and I ask this just because it's – it, to some degree you don't know how much of this is. You don't know how much of uh, sometimes these depictions are accurate or real and how much of them are maybe just sort of popular myths created by or perpetuated by the media or you know cultural stereotypes to some degree. But you always hear a lot about, especially in, uh, you take like uh, the Asian community, for example, a lot of times when there are businesses created, and I in the United States, businesses created in the Asian community, you hear so much about how, that is a family business. In other words, the the, the seed money, the seed capital, uh, all, you know, the, the money to get the business going and off the ground, that that does come from within the family. And there is very much a pooling of the resources and the family sort of pulling together and it all going toward the common cause of launching this business, maintaining the business, whatever. And so I don't know to what extent that's actually true. And the reason I ask that is I don't know to what extent Different communities and cultures here in America are being impacted by this in different ways. In other words, you know, this business of the small, you know, the, of, of the small uh, loan to get your company going, is that something that is more crucial to certain segments of America and to certain cultures in America than to others?
7: Oh, absolutely! Uh, it, it definitely is because, uh, well, I don't know about culturally, but right across the board, I mean, any one of those small businesses trying to start up right now doesn't matter. Where you are uh, culturally, it's 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 next to impossible to do. I mean, you really have to have a, a solid uh, business uh, model in, in place, a business uh, plan, uh, and even then, you know, if you can prove that you're going to make a certain amount of profit, that you still might not get the loan. It's really hard to get a small business loan right now. All right,
1: I just want to invest in the company that makes Roland Martin's clothing. That's when I want to invest in. That's <laughs> why, it. You, why is that? Because that guy is the, he's the best dressed man on television. I'm telling you. Real.
7: More so than Ali Velshi.
1: Ah, uh, Ali, I have to say, Ali Velshi, you know, you he, he can't really. He, uh, he, what is that, what do they say in Britain? Dresses up well? Comes up well? Something like that. Anyway, he, I mean, that guy knows how to put himself together. Or whoever. Let me ask you this. At CNN, do you suppose, like Roland Martin, Ali Velshi, to what extent do you, do you think those guys are picking out like their own ties? Or is there, do they have oh, somebody totally. who does that?
7: No, no, totally. Uh, his suits are actually uh, handmade, hand tailored suits.
1: Is it Ali Velshi or Roland Martin?
7: Well, uh, I don't know about Roland, but Ali, Ali's are, yeah. I mean, I
1: understand that they're probably hand-tailored, but my thing is, like, is he picking out himself what to wear, or does he have, like, somebody... Like, I just, I, 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 I'm not even on, like, the Ali Belshi level, and, uh, you know, I don't make any of my own clothing decisions. That all goes through Sarah Dillon, because otherwise I'd look like a rodeo clown.
7: So You know, if he was in his office now, I would yell out my door to, to him to ask him the, that question. I'm pretty sure... Because his office is near my studio. I, I could uh, I could ask him that, but he's uh, not in his office. I'm
1: time. saying the next day you get a chance. You find out if he's if he's sort of picking out his own clothing, because I'm going to be doubly impressed if that's the case.
7: I'm pretty sure he does. I, right. I'm fairly certain that he does every day. Yeah.
1: Right. Excellent. All right. On that, yes. though, my friend, have a uh, fantastic weekend. We will talk to you sometime in the new week. Speak to you Monday. All right. Thank you. There you go. CNN radio correspondent, Steve Kastenbaum. Excellent. Wonderful. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Hello, Sarah Dillon.
3: Hello, Rick Emerson.
1: By the way, many people are uh, telling me here. And this is, uh, as I suspected, it says uh, the email says the string cheese. Uh, string cheese is the cheese in the crust of a stuffed crust pizza from Pizza Hut. Well,
3: string cheese is mozzarella.
1: Yeah, that uh, that yeah. makes sense. It's, pu- it's almost it's pure mozzarella, and, and I mean not not like the uh, pure kind where it's like the kind of the weird balls suspended in mm. liquid or whatever it is. But I mean it's more in other words, oh, it's, it's not it's like a so blend delicious. or like a Colby or something. So string cheese. Yeah, well, oh, you, yeah. you see
3: me. I eat string cheese every day. Oh, no, we got a huge,
1: <laughs> I, at any given time, and you open our fridge, at any given time, here's...
3: It's the best snack.
1: <laughs> these are the three things you will see in our fridge always, no matter what else is going on in, in our lives. We got three things in the fridge. One, uh, we got string cheese. Two, we got a big bin of spinach, which Laura just puts in everything. Doesn't matter what she's making. Just a mm. huge fistful of, like, baby spinach leaves. That's that's the two. And the, and the third thing is that tapatillo, like, hot sauce. Stuff. you know what I'm talking about?
3: I think like it's, rooster sauce?
1: It's like, well, rooster sauce is more of an Asian thing. It's like you see this in a lot of Mexican restaurants. Uh, and I
3: know what you're talking about. Yeah.
1: It's like the sort of, it, it, it's like uh, the sort of, uh, it's like the Mexican restaurant version of like uh, of Tabasco. Because mm-hmm. you know, like in certain, like especially, like in the south, but a lot of like you know diners and whatever. There's just a bottle of Tabasco everywhere you go. And in the Spanish-speaking world, the equivalent of that is tapatillo, which I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Big ass bottle of that uh, constantly. In fact, I now have two. I have two bottles in the kitchen or in the refrigerator right now, just in case like one should run out. So. My
3: constant, my one constant is that I always have a huge jug of milk. Yeah. No. I always have to have milk. I'm I'm addicted to milk. You know people I'll go through who, like a gallon a week.
1: You know people who don't like milk?
3: I don't understand that. Milk is good with everything. My favorite meal is um like really good pizza and a big cold glass of milk. See, I'm
1: so glad to hear you say that. Oh, I love it. Like, I think it complements everything. Sometimes I'll talk to people about milk and I'm like, Oh milk is disgusting. I don't drink that. And I just don't under I mean, look if you're like lactose I intolerant or milk. something. See, me too. Yeah. I'm saying it's a that's a to me that's a thing that you gotta have around. You can't, like if there's no milk in the fridge, like just for coffee if nothing else. I mean come on. But if there's no milk in the fridge... I'm like you where I get a little twitchy about it. Like, mm-hmm. I've got to sort of have it there. It's like a comfort food.
3: I have to. It's Yeah, it goes wonderfully with everything. And oh. when I was little, like my mom, that's how I was raised. Like, every morning for breakfast, I would, we'd have a cup of juice and a cup of milk. And then... You, you know, totally had
1: the breakfast on the side of the cereal box.
3: But we totally Part did. of this
1: nutritious breakfast. You were having the rest of the nutritious breakfast.
3: Oh, no, it, it totally was. A cup of... Yeah, and I, we had to drink all of our milk and all of our juice.
1: Final thing. You know what? I always have to have uh, milk with uh, the food that, like, whenever I have it, I have to accompany it with milk. And I don't do this a lot because I'm not much of a sweets guy, but every now and again um, I'll get the craving for just a just a plain, regular, pure Hershey's chocolate bar. Hmm. Like not the fancy kind that would like plain. crackle stuff or whatever, just a regular plain Hershey's chocolate bar every now and again, but it must be accompanied by a glass of cold milk.
3: So do you have different drinks that you eat different foods with? Yes. Like for, Like every time I go to McDonald's? Never drink it in life, but every time I go to McDonald's, I have to order a Sprite.
1: Me, Dr. Pepper at McDonald's. Yeah, I never okay. drink Dr. Pepper except at McDonald's, but that's what I have to get.
3: And whenever I get, like, a Safeway Chow Mein, I always have to drink a Diet Dr. Pepper.
1: You're freaking me out. It's
3: weird. So you have, you have drinks that you Absolutely. have specific things with.
1: Absolutely. No, there are all kinds of meals that have to be accompanied by a certain, by a certain food.
3: Yeah, Taco Bell's all by a certain code. drink. Yeah. All right, get going okay.
1: All right, take a break. Back after this with David Walker. Later on, Watchmen passes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, another installment of the greatest songs ever made, and Scott Daly coming up later on. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is... Just a little bit after noon on Friday, February twenty seventh. Thank you. Two thousand nine. The Watchman logo is now up.
3: And I've been searching for it for five minutes, and I can't find it. No,
1: no, get there now. Don't, don't instinctively click on it. No, I won't. When you see it, uh, the Watchman logo, which is the smiley face button, spatter with blood. That is up at nine seventy dot a m. Somewhere. It is somewhere on the station website now.
3: This is difficult.
1: The first 25 people, find it, click on it, you score yourself a pair of passes to see Watchmen. That is the uh, premiere coming this Monday. Coming Monday, ladies and gentlemen, March 2nd. So if you go to 970.am right now, 970.am, the Watchmen logo is uh, stashed somewhere on the station website. You find it, you click on it. You will score yourself a pair of passes to Watchmen this coming Monday, and then uh, once the twenty-five pair are gone, uh, then the logo is uh, deactivated and I think vanishes uh, shortly after that. So it's up right now at nine seventy, dot a.m. Uh, do not despair, though. We are going to be giving away at least one more pair today. We will endeavor to do so uh, with our trivia from the Golden Age of Comics. So that's coming up later on in the program. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Also, Scott Dowley from geekinthecity.com dot com, and another installment of the greatest songs ever made. Uh, Let's do these calls, then we'll welcome David Walker to the program today.
11: Uh, Let me just... uh...
1: Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey there. What's up?
11: Uh, You said something about Barbie tables. Uh, You know, the things you put in the pizza box?
1: Yes, the little white thing with three legs in the middle of the pizza box keeps the uh, box from hitting the cheese. I always call them a Barbie table because it... Here's why. Because it looks like something uh, that, like uh, you know, like some low rent kid would have. It looks like a thing that the mom and dad would sort of scrub off in the sink and give to an, you know, like a uh, like a kid. Is like, no, no, no. uh, This is from the Barbie collectible. It's a patio (laughs) table thing. Here you go. Right.
11: Well, I also call it like a mice mice table for when the you put the pizza on the ground. Anyway, 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 mice
1: uh, were going to be eating.
11: Let me get to it if you would let me. Uh, Was
1: this an ancillary point you're making right now, or is this <laughs> no, the thrust rumbling. of your? No, I'm
11: just really tired. I'm sorry, man. That's okay. Um, Go ahead. Okay, uh, what we call it, we call it a pizza saver. Who is we? Uh, the, well, we're in a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a pizzeria. Okay, and all right. You said something about Pizza Hut being the first pizza chain. That's I believe is wrong as, all, as well. My step grandfather founded Pietros, and he had about 40 stores before they sold it to Campbell Soup. Wait, hold service. on.
1: So someone in your family founded Pietros Pizza?
11: Yes. It's
1: fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Now, Pietro's Pizza, by the way, I'm saying for me, uh, is, uh, is my own assessment, is the greatest pizza chain that the Northwest has ever seen. And, yeah. and really, in terms of flat-out chains, I'm not talking about like some hole-in-the-wall place you went to in Brooklyn or like some place in your hometown that, like, it's run by three guys and one of them's old and blind, but he still goes in and mixes the dough by hand every day. I'm yeah. talking about a chain because the chains not necessarily bad. Pietro's is the gold standard uh, okay. for me.
11: I appreciate that. Excellent. So you're your
1: step grandfather. So how does that work? It was your some guy who married your grandmother?
11: Uh, no, it's my my stepdad married my mom.
1: Okay. All right. Fair and, enough. All right.
11: And, we're, and the first one was in 1957 or eight, I believe.
1: So maybe Pizza Hut was like I don't know. Maybe they were like peddling this thing on the uh, on heavyweights that it was the first, but maybe it was the first to achieve a certain number of franchises, or maybe the first to go nationwide or that, something. But
11: yeah, probably. boy,
1: let me just say this: the define here are the two things that define Pietro's Pizza to me. Uh, one it's the way that the pepperoni gets singed around the edge. I'm making myself hungry. It's the way that the pieces of pepperoni are cooked to the point that just the the perimeter the circumference of the of the pepperoni singes and gets a little bit blackened and crumbly it's where you go to eat it, and just the very, very very edges they sort of almost crumble and then melt in your mouth, and then the bottom has got that what is it like that garlic seeds or something you don't know, have, but not seeds, but like a sesame garlic sort mm-hmm. of thing that's on the pan. Like that's powdery on. kind of? It's, uh, but it's not cornmeal. 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 Is that what it is? But it's almost like, it, yeah, it's almost like a uh, like a sesame seed sort yeah, of right. consistency. It's cornmeal, really?
11: Cornmeal, yeah. All
1: right. I always thought it was much more magical than that. Well, whatever. But it's still fantastic, so.
11: Great. And uh, the, the the pepperonis would, uh, when they cook, they, they curl up, and then they become little grease yes. bowls.
1: Yes, and that's, and really there's nothing quite, there's nothing quite as, uh. Nothing quite as savory as that when you're a youth. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. And,
11: oh, by the way, uh, I buy all my music for our restaurant, which we reopened, uh, the Pietro's in Longview. I uh, buy all my re- uh, music from Jackpot Records, who's also, uh, Isaac's, a friend of mine.
1: Excellent. Well, thank oh, you, sir. We said... appreciate it.
11: Have all a good right. How are you
1: Thank you for listening. There you go. And there's still a Pietro's in uh, Hood River, by the way, just for those who are keeping, uh, keeping score here in the Northwest. One more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Is this me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir.
12: Hey, I've got a uh, dandy way, should you ever want to never, ever drink a glass of milk again?
1: It's funny, I we was just talking to David Walker uh, about this during the break, that every time you talk, every time... Just Someone
3: m- talks about milk, then. Re-
1: Well, every time you talk... Just real quickly, sir, let me just say this okay. Ever I was David Walker came into the studio, and he and I were just having this conversation. Every time you talk about milk, or hot dogs, or around some people, any kind of meat, they immediately say... Well, you wouldn't drink slash eat that if you knew blah, 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 and then they, like, unfurl something I don't care about. No offense. What is your uh... – well,
12: no, it's not – there's not uh, – it, it basically, I, I respond to, like, hazmat crashes and that kind of thing and icky stuff splattered all over the roadway. Mm-hmm. And if you ever want to uh, – Pretty much eliminate your want for milk is go to a rolled-over milk truck that's spilled 8,000 gallons of raw milk oh. all over everything in the summertime. Oh, oh. oh dude. It, I cannot even it's, – it's so bad. It's so vile. And then you spend three or four days cleaning that up, smelling that for 14, 16 hours a day. See, so you this will, is – you will never ever want to drink another glass of milk.
1: See, so okay, so this is actually so. Then I, I so I so then I apologize because this is actually uh, not the sort of call I thought it was going to be. I figured it was uh, going to be something. I was going like... to be like and the cows are locked up in small little cow cages, uh, um, hmm. which uh, you know uh, you know they're cows, so I, I don't care. But this is sort of a different uh, kind of conversation because a. The smell, let's just say this, the smell of bad milk is one of the worst things on earth. That's hey, like when Sarah's always coming, like, is this yogurt rank? Why don't you smell it for me? Like, bad dairy is one of the worst things on earth. And it's also that thing where even once the smell has actually gone off your hands and clothes, do you ever smell that was so bad that it's like the psychological smell lingers in your nostrils? It's like your nostrils have a memory. And it's it, just like when you have a horrible um, traumatic event and you keep dreaming about it or you can still picture it. It's sometimes your nose can still smell things that are no longer around. You know what I mean? Uh, and and it's, it's some horrible, vile sort of olfactory sense, and it's like you can conjure it back up again. And with so milk... I guess
12: I've got I guess I've got post-traumatic stress disorder for um, the smell of milk and/or vanilla ice cream. I can't I can't do either one of them.
1: Is it? And is the vanilla ice cream because of the milk spill?
12: Well, yeah. Because vanilla ice cream is I don't know somewhere in that like I like you said somewhere in your brain. The two things are connecting, and it's close enough to the smell of, of, of bad milk that it just Ugh. kind of brings you right over to it. And right. raw milk is so nasty and vile anyway,
7: and yeah. Excellent. So. All right. Thank you, sir. There you go. Have a good weekend. All All right.
3: Right. I'm, I told you like years ago I found.
10: <laughs> Hello, David Walker. Hello. I was going to say that for me that smell was the sponge in the break room at Willamette Week. You mean the the break room, like the lunch room, there was a like a like a sponge that like a wash dishes. Yeah. You know, and and no one there. ever no one ever would actually squeeze the water out uh, of it. So uh, then you pick it up that one time and then that's, that punk is the on the like For uh, like the whole day and then you gotta get a lemon and
1: rub your hand in lemon or something. And then you're just doing that you're doing that, you know, the, the dirt won't come off my hands, these yeah. dirty hands. <laughs> uh, is, is that I'm sorry, you were saying Oh sir? no,
3: remember I told you years ago I found a I was pouring a glass of milk and Something furry.
1: No. Oh, I forgot all about that. Yeah,
3: and so I still drink it, but I pour my milk very, very slowly so that I can see, like, through it as I'm pouring. Well, like,
1: you know, when I was... A... something
3: gray and furry, and I just, you know, didn't look at it. When I
1: was uh, when I was a kid, uh, this only ever happened once, and she apologized a requisite number of times for it, but... When I was a kid, my mom was serving us dinner, and, you know, we were real big on this, the staples in our house. It was just, you know, it was like uh, meat and potatoes and a vegetable and some bread and some butter and some milk. And it was like we were – I mean, we ate like the Waltons. And so big thing of milk every night for dinner, and, which is which fine. Again, I still love milk. I, we were talking about it earlier. I, just, I drink it by the gallon. And, um, but my mom like, gave us glasses of milk. And it's not like this is – like like, it's not like there's some big Shyamalan twist at the end of this. But she pours us the milk, and I'm drinking it, and it just it just tasted bad. Not even like sort of, not even like a little sour, like where it gets a little bit of that sour, the acidic taste to it. It just tasted like bitter. Like it was just vile tasting. It was like just drinking just evil. And I kept saying like, this this tastes funny. She's like, you know, just eat your dinner. Quiet, you know. Just, you know, just clean your plate. Uh, you know, people starving in some v- vaguely defined area of the world. And finally, I was just like, you know, this is not right, Mom. There's something wrong with you, you to Shut your hole. And then she, of course, then sat down took a big drink of the milk looked at it and at that point you're sort of ah Sherrod you are mother dearest because she realized and she said this doesn't taste right and i said no it doesn't oh. and she went i'll never forget this she went over uh, back into the kitchen she went to the sink she picked up the milk and she poured some of it out into the sink and it just came out like jello
3: oh god
1: awesome yeah yeah, yeah that's awesome market
3: remember when that existed i missed that place every day isn't it still there no, the Hawthorne Market. No, the Hawthorne
1: like. Liquor Store is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, they but, listen to us every day. Hello.
3: There, and remember the Hawthorne Market with the nice little couple that owned it? Yes. Where you filmed your... Oh, uh, that's right. They're gone. Yeah. yeah. And I bought a, a carton of milk there once, just one of like, the little individual ones, and took a swig of it, and yeah, it was bad. It yeah. was the worst taste ever. Yeah. Oh, and th- like, promptly threw it right up.
1: We could do a high concept on that, too. We haven't done a high concept in a long time, A, because we just haven't, and also because...
3: Just, the worst expired thing you've ever ingested.
1: I was going to say the worst taste you've ever, you know, the worst thing you've ever tasted. Um, hmm. Two to more real quickly, and then we'll then we'll do some news. One, my equivalent to that guy saying he can never drink milk because of the spilled milk on the highway. Um, my equivalent to that is, pardon me.
5: Um,
1: my uh, my father consumed uh, many beers, uh, as Scott Campbell would say, and you know, but part of that, you know, so then we would you know recycle them, and and you know, you recycle them. We had that uh, that thing in the garage of like the can crusher, where you put the can in and then you go and you bring the handle down and it crushes it down to like a little, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so my brother and I would, you know, would be assigned to go crush cans and then put them into a, you know, like a Glad bag and then we would take. And that was always a lot of fun too, especially when you grew old enough to be embarrassed by that. Here I am with nine Glad bags of beer cans. Uh, yes, weren't you just here last week? Yes, I was. I'll take that $3 now, sir.
3: That's, like, what's embarrassing for me because I my recycling bins are full of, you know, beers and, like, bottles of wine stuff because I always have everyone over at my house, and then we'll yes. all go out, so I'll have, like, you know, six people over. But I have to deal with all the recycling. And they
1: think it's just, oh, that girl who
3: lives Dude, in five. It's embarrassing. I almost want to, like, take it and put it yeah, in. Yeah, but that, recycling that's, bin.
10: that's cash back. The, the the deposit? Come on. Yeah,
3: the you don't want to give up that money. me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. But I would... But, so we would sit there, and we would do it, like, once every two weeks or so, or whatever it was. But the thing is, Kennewick, of course, you know, is a desert, and it gets to be, like, 110 degrees or whatever. And the cans... You know, my dad wouldn't crush it. He would finish them and he'd throw them in the in the in the bag, and then they go in the garage. And then about every two weeks, we'd go in and we'd crush like three or four Glad bags full of beer cans. That you know, you never get all the beer out, and it's been sitting in a garage, and it's Kennewick, and it's 109 degrees or whatever, and it just ferments. And so the smell of just bad, rotten, stale beer, like to this day, I can smell it. I can close my eyes and it's like mm. I am there. It's uh for me, I used to work
10: at uh, Fred Meyer. Back before they had the, the return machines when yeah. you bring it empty, so when he sealed it by hand that was my job. And um, and so that is the worst smell. But the only thing that's slightly worse than that is when people put their cigarettes out in the beer can oh. or the beer bottle oh. and then it sits and ferments. Mm-hmm. But to this day, if I go to it doesn't matter what grocery store I go to, if I have to walk by one of those machines, that smell comes it just in turns your and it's just like it, it just brings back just the the Oh, just terrible memories.
1: Well, because uh, smell is the sense that is most strongly linked to memory. Uh, people think that it's sight or whatever, but it is not. It's it's actually smell, which is why as soon as you open like an old Life magazine and you smell like that kind of you know that old mm-hmm. musty magazine smells like you know my grandfather's basement or whatever it was. You know, they immediately take you back. That's why bookstores do that to people. So my my final one is when I was a kid, I, I had like a lot of kids, I had a problem swallowing pills. Uh, I just I couldn't do it, and uh, you know I think you have to get to a certain age where you have to just. You know, you have to power through swallowing an aspirin or something once. And once you do it once, you You're it's good, like good. swallowing a pill is like putting in a contact lens. You just don't think you can do it. And you just get a whole thing in your head. You're like, I can never put this thing in my eye. Just like with that, it's like I can never swallow this Tylenol or whatever it is my mom's trying to give me. But once you put in the contact once, you realize you can do it. Once you swallow a pill once, you you can do it. But I went through a long time as a kid. I think, you know how like some kids wet the bed until they're like nine? Until I was like, I don't know, way older than I should have been. I just chewed up all my pills. Anything I had to take, I would just chew it up because I couldn't swallow it. And I mean anything. Like, not just aspirin. Like, to this day, I can just chew up fistfuls of aspirin if I have to somehow oh. because it just doesn't, because I got used to it. Yeah,
10: I can't. Uh, I couldn't do okay. that. Okay,
1: but you know what else? I would chew up that. I'd have to, if my mom gave me a Tylenol, I'd have to chew it up. If she gave me, like, a, a, you know, like, a, what, what, an antibiotic or whatever. they go to the doctor and they give you a thing yeah. and chew that. And the other thing is my multivitamin. And not like the Flintstones kind. I mean, like like the cheap-ass, like yeah. the kind of just the big bottle. And a multivitamin, when you chew it up, it's like chewing up Satan himself. It's just the worst oh, t- taste.
10: Because sometimes you burp them back up. Yes.
1: And, yeah, no, 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 no. And That's... so because of that, there are certain uh, breakfast cereals that I can no longer eat. Oh. And I won't name them, but there are – well, it's Special K <laughs> – uh, to this I day, love
5: special K.
1: I can't eat it, and my mom had it around, and I would eat it, but you know, but uh, but after that, having gone through that whole phase where I had to chew up my vitamins, I can't eat Special K because I think they add, you know, they fortify it, which means they add vitamins after the fact. And one of the vitamins, and I think it's like B12 or something, like the smell in that Special K is exactly like the taste when I used to chew up those multivitamins, and so I couldn't eat it if you put a gun to my head. There's just no way. I could never do it. So, mm. uh, Well, there you go. See how relatable we were just now? Let's uh, do this. Let's go to the uh, news desk. We'll uh, roll out some stories for the people. Then we'll break and get caught up, ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, David Walker.
13: And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news.
10: President Barack Obama today said he'll withdraw American combat troops from Iraq over the next 18 months. He made the the announcement in a speech earlier this morning. He said his administration will quote-unquote, proceed cautiously on the withdrawal and that U.S. commanders will bring it about, will bring about. Wow, this is a really poorly sentence. I should have just been making this up on my own. <laughs> anyway, he's pulling the troops out of Iraq, ladies and gentlemen. And so this is over 18 months? Over 18 months, yes. I believe the official date that they want to have everybody out is by August 31st, 2010. Um, now, but the thing to keep in mind is that this does not mean all of the troops are coming out of Iraq. This is very much similar. Well, it's like, like Korea. Like Korea. all the troops exactly. never
1: come out of anywhere. No. no like no, once no. we're there, we're there forever.
10: We're there. Exactly. We're we're kind of like herpes that way. Just because <laughs> you don't see us doesn't mean we <laughs> haven't gone away.
1: And I think we're still in Saudi Arabia, aren't we? Still there? Uh, we're, we're. Haven't we been there forever? We're everywhere. We're everywhere.
10: We are. We're, we are. We're like um, I don't know. I I can't come up with a good comparison. I'm I'm sort of off. But we're like we're like dry itchy skin. <laughs> we're everywhere. Um. We're exactly like that.
1: No, we are, but you know, we're the uh, uh, we're. Um... God damn it! Now I can't think of one. That's What's okay. a thing that's everywhere and funny, Sarah?
3: I don't know. I think <laughs> Dave, I think he. Lint.
1: No, yeah.
3: but you know what I mean. But you know, Linds like, is like a... in no way as funny as herpes. That's true. Yeah. but I mean, it's
1: like, but you know, we we go as long as you don't have herpes. But we go somewhere. And then, like, we're, no, 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 we're leaving. And then, but what about these 50,000 guys? Oh, don't worry about them. They don't really count. So it's like the de- demilitarized de- 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 zone or whatever. Yeah. In you know, North Korea, South Korea, we're still there. So we're going to still be, you know, we're going to stay and in And 50,000 is the magic number
10: because they're they're looking at keeping uh, 35,000 to 50,000 troops in Iraq. Now, interestingly enough, um, John McCain, we all remember him. He's the sort of corpse-looking guy that walks around who yes. went for president against Obama. Um, McCain is actually in support, at least... This hour, he is in support of, um, he has yet to flip flop. He supports President Obama's decision to pull out the troops. Um, McCain said that, well, he said that this was significantly different from the uh,
1: plan that Obama pushed during the campaign, that he's still in favor of the withdrawal. Um, Sarah and I were talking about this, actually, before the show. Like, now that he's no longer for running, running for president, it's like, it, you know what it is? It's like the Hulk has turned back in, you know, to Banner. Uh, he's, yeah, I mean, he's gone. I saw him last night, actually, and maybe it's just a political, you know, maybe it's just like a political dance of some kind, I don't know, but I saw him being interviewed last night about this, about the troop uh, withdrawal or drawdown or whatever is we're calling it now, and... And he actually just seemed, like, back to being normal and, like, you know, I, 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 I'll never agree with that guy on, on, on everything or maybe the majority of things, but he was, like, back to being normal and seemed to be sort of, like, straightforward about everything and seemed to have some kind of, like, a common sense you know, approach to things, which – and so I gotta wonder if it was just – and I think it probably was. It was a combination of three things. Sarah Palin, who just kind of poisoned that whole campaign just mm-hmm. in terms of his persona, uh, you know, even, no matter where you are ideologically, just in terms of his persona – which was one of the keys, they thought, to him getting elected, it just diluted the whole thing down. It just tarnished it. And that and the fact that he was surrounding himself probably with the wrong guys who were whispering a bunch of crap into his ear about, here's what you need to do. Uh, Here's what you need to do to appeal to this demographic, John. And thirdly, uh, the fact that probably just at a certain point, don't you imagine when the presidency is like within reach, you just go, you know, you're just like, F it, I'll do whatever it takes. Well, in his case, most definitely you get that
10: feeling. But it's interesting because I was thinking about this with uh, a lot of these Republican governors who are now saying they don't want to take the stimulus money. And I, I think that there's just like there's something about the GOP. They're sort of like really bad malt liquor. You know, it's I mean, it's like the, the GOP just hands you the Kool-Aid and says, drink this and say really stupid stuff. And uh, because, you know, like this, you know, Bobby Jindal might not be a good example, but he did not sound like a complete moron like two months ago. Right. When he first got elected, you know, and, and you'd see him in some speeches, and he he seemed moderately intelligent, but now he just seems like someone gave him a bad
1: lobotomy. It's like now. brain be gone. Yeah. Drink this. Just, yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, so, I, you know, the the drawdown of the, taking the troops out and the whatever to whatever extent that actually happens, I mean, obviously, it just... I mean, I'm you know not to say anybody anything, anything anybody already know the three trillion dollars we've thrown down that particular hole. But it does, you know, I understand why they can't do it overnight. I mean, logistically and politically, and and all of that. I understand why he's got to say, look, you know, in 18 months we're going to start, you know, we're bringing folks home and all of that. There's still some details because like it was like non-active combat troops or whatever. I don't know how they're going to kind of demarcate all that out. Part of you though just just says uh, it, when they make this explanation that, well, it's going to take a year and a half because we want to make sure that it's a smooth transition so that things don't descend into chaos, which I guess sort of sounds good as like a surface argument until you really reflect on the fact that we're talking about the Middle East, which is just chaotic and is never going to get any better. Ever, ever, ever. It's never going to be fixed. It's never going to be better. And so chaos today, chaos 18 months from now. I mean, really, who? you know, what, well, what difference that, does that's make? like That's
10: like m- announcing that you're going to do something to fix up Detroit and saying that, you know, I don't know, I was gonna come up with a really witty comparison, but I can't because Detroit is just one of those cities It's
1: they just need to put a big closed sign. Totally I mean, you know. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. closed for repairs. And it under new management someday. Yeah. That's it. I mean yeah, there no, there are certain there are certain places in this world that need a hard reboot. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes you can do a control alt delete, you know, and you can close the applications that aren't playing nicely with the other applications. Sometimes uh you gotta reformat that C drive. And there are whole sections of this. Where, and I'm not excusing our own uh, our own country and our own society from having some of these problems. But specifically uh, talking about the Middle East, as as Detective uh, as Al Giardello said on Homicide: Life on the Street, nothing ever gets better. Nothing ever changes. And as there's not, and there's you know that's just sort of the way it is. So I figure if it's going to be chaos, I'd rather be chaos with like fewer uh, uh, you know American guys getting shot at. I'll take that over more. Yeah, yeah I, mean, the, I agree. Let's do one more here, and then we will take a break.
10: All right. Well, here we go. This is sort of interesting. I'll ask this question to both of you. Is a bathroom an optional extra when you're at a thir- at 30,000 feet? Do you mean, it, like, is, like it a, p- is it a perk? Yes, is uh, it a perk? Is it something that you should get for a free? A natural
3: bodily function? <laughs> I, <laughs> I would say, or, uh,
10: or should you have to pay for it? Because that is what Ryanair boss Michael O'Leary seems to think. Ryanair is based out of Ireland and uh o'leary is is the uh airline exec who has pioneered such things as making you know uh passengers pay extra for baggage and things like that. now he's trying to get
1: you to pay to use the toilet on the plane well didn't they let me ask you this here in uh America I believe it is actually i could be wrong about this, but I think in the United States, I think for example, paid toilets are in fact illegal in most states because it's considered a public health requirement it is a sanitary requirement that one must be able uh to to use a bathroom maybe because otherwise you're calcutta uh and so i think like on american you know like, like on uh, united states airlines yeah i don't think that would i don't think that that, that would ever fly so to speak but i mean it, it, you know in ireland I don't, maybe they're much more laissez-faire about that where they can just be like and we're getting rid of the loo
10: i don't know i guess that that raises the next question is what sort of trouble could you get into if just say you you gotta yeah, go yeah you just you know, decided, well, I'm not going to pay, but I got to go, so.
1: Then you're like yeah. Rupert in the Dirty Rotten Scoundrel. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then shit, everybody sort of wrinkles their nose in disgust. You're watering the plants right there in the middle of the aisle. I mean, that's got to be one of those things that, that they float out there as an idea to distract people because he's really going to do something else. Like, he's like, what if we get rid of the toilet? And meanwhile, every, and everybody gets horrified. Meanwhile, uh, you know, he's reducing your leg room by nine inches.
10: Well, that's the, this article saying that a lot of people think it's just a publicity stunt for uh, people to, you know, to put Ryanair back in the in the news, you know, sort of, uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity. But other people are saying that there's a good chance he's serious because he has, again, he charges his customers for everything.
3: So I thought the only pl- flights that went down of Ireland was it, it, is that Aer Lingus? Does he is that what he owns?
10: No, he owns he owns Ryanair, and uh, it's it's not saying exactly where it's based out of, but he's based out of Ireland, so. I made that assumption because one thing that I've been discovering in these weeks of reading the news is some of the people who write these stories aren't that good. No. I can't believe what I'm hearing. Yeah. Don't ever
1: go to KGW.com. It really, it'll scorch your eyeballs. All right, it's 503. By the way, the Watchmen passes, gone, baby, gone. Really? Uh, they are gone. Now can, we,
3: now can you tell us where it was because I couldn't find it?
1: Listen to this email. It says, Rick, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I found the Watchmen logo, clicked on it, got the passes. I've been wanting to see this movie since I found out it existed. I am really looking forward to this, not just because of what I imagine the experience to be, but because I'm getting out of some really boring plans. Thank you so much, Zach. Uh, many people are saying this. Hey, uh, this one, awesome! I got myself Watchmen passes. I am stoked to have them. Thanks so much. Uh, I just got
3: one too. Woo, we just got my Watchmen passes. You guys are the greatest. Woo.
2: Yeah, this one is just woot, 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 woot. So there you go. All
1: right, uh, when we get back, I'm looking here at the phones and it says that John has, wait for it, a relationship question. For us, he must have dialed the wrong number. Yeah. (laughs) All right, uh, John, your call when we get back. Uh, More from David Walker later on. Scott Daly and the greatest songs ever made. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Her parents have, uh, my in laws have figured out how to read the weblog. Yep. The blog, the uh, they figured out how to do that, which is you know trouble enough, especially because it's filled with profanity and boobs. So, but I just can't worry about it. But uh, the good thing is that my in-laws have never figured out how to how to listen to the show online. They oh, can't good. they can't quite figure out the clicking on the thing that says listen. Uh, that step eludes somehow. So I
3: can it's say ashamed f- of the show, but I don't want my parents to
1: listen. Well, it's not that I look, and I'm not ashamed of it either. But it's and and I know Lara isn't, but I know that like. You know what it is? It's like when you're a teenager and you're watching a movie with your parents and somebody's humping on the screen. Oh,
3: totally. <laughs> if not when you're a teenager, when you're 28 and that ever. happens. If, if, ever. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable.
1: And so it's like, uh, you know, so Laura doesn't want to be like, you know, her dad, well, let's listen to the show. And, you know, and then it's me talking about something horrifying or sacrilegious or all of the above or whatever. Um, but I was just saying during the break just to finish this up. So my wife is in Provo right now because she's a because she's a good daughter. She's a good child, so she's visiting her parents. But she's staying in the guest room downstairs. And she told me uh, last night, she never talking. And talking, I guess, she's staying there, and you know the weather sucks, it's like a thousand below zero, and there's snow everywhere, so it's like you can't, it's kind of hard to get around. But so she's staying in the guest room downstairs, and there's like some, uh, some other relative, like some cousin or some second cousin, who is she put it, how did she describe it? She goes, well, nobody has actually said out loud that he's retarded.
5: <laughs> but, but, but,
1: and that kind of tells you everything you need to know. But I guess he's in the guest room right next to hers. And they're just separated by a very thin wall. And so she's in the guest room just trying to sleep, trying to, like, you know, think of happier, like, you know, there's no place like Portland. And just trying to, like, forget that she's in Provo. And I don't think it was – I don't think she heard anything sort of, like, intimate or, you know. But I guess he just sort of talks to himself a lot out loud but in kind of a spastic sort of a – like, they'll just be sitting there. You know, she'll be sitting in the guest room just – or, you know, in the guest bedroom just trying to, like, you know – Reading or whatever, and she'll just hear through the wall like bubblegum gum, <laughs> you know, and just like no reason. Like as she's trying to go to sleep, it's the weirdest thing ever. So, and I had a roommate like that at one point who lived in the basement, and it was the thing where like no one ever said the R word, but
6: we knew. Um,
1: hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up?
6: Hi, Rick, I'm a big fan of yours, and I'm I've been listening to your show on a public address system while I'm doing yard work.
1: Uh, you mean the? What well, you mean like a, when you mean a public address system, like a radio? Oh,
6: uh, yeah, we got a PA system here in the yard.
1: Where, uh, is this like at a business or at your home?
6: No, oh, this is this is a, this is a, a home.
1: Uh, and so you have a, so you actually have a PA. Are these like external speakers on like on the outside of your house? Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. What what else do you use those for?
6: Uh, I don't know, Frank Zappa.
1: <laughs> I was really not expecting that, Honestly. but well done, sir. All right. Excellent. The answer is shake your booty. Uh, your booty. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, how can I help you?
6: Uh, I have a relationship question for you in regards to my girlfriend.
1: What, you do realize you're calling the single worst program on earth in terms of relationship advice, right? That none of us know. Mm-hmm. In fact, let me just uh, hold on. You're calling a program that's. Uh... Yes, I've
6: been listening to your show for quite some time.
1: Wait. Where? Where's that thing that we used to play? You know the one I'm talking about, Sarah? No. The little the liner that says. Um, Oh breaking. Ruining relationships since nineteen ninety eight. I don't even know where I went. We used to have, it. I'll have to find it. All right. Well that
3: Well Rick's know. the only one who's in a relationship in this room, so I guess the question's for you. Yes. With that preamble, uh go ahead, sir.
6: My girlfriend and I have been living together for two years now, and uh we, we sleep in separate rooms. I have to go through her uh room to get to the bathroom. Hello? Yeah, no, we're, li- uh, no, we're listening. listening. We're all.
10: I think everyone's reacting differently. Like I'm giving the thumbs up. I think that's the best thing ever: sleeping in separate rooms. But
6: I, I didn't want to wake her, so I, I used the kitchen sink for a urinal.
1: Let's let's stop for a second here.
6: Are you being serious? <laughs> I <laughs> thought <laughs> I was being considerate.
1: Are we being made the object of fun here, sir? Who? Are you are you <laughs> on the level with this call?
6: <laughs> yes, I am.
1: <laughs> let's back up for a second. Is. Were you listening to my
10: conversation two nights ago, because I swear to God this was a conversation I was just having two nights ago
1: let's just let's just take this one step at a time so how long and you have you and your girlfriend been living together two years all right uh you are how old
6: um I'm pushing fifty
1: all right she is how old pushing fifty all right, so you live together and uh, so just so we can clarify this, you sleep in separate rooms for what reason if I may ask uh
6: just for
1: a better night's sleep. Well, no, and again, don't mean there's nothing wrong with it. I totally understand that. In fact, um, there's. In fact, I do know couples that do that, uh, where it's uh, you know, regardless of whatever else may happen in the relationship, sometimes it just uh, sleep. The actual sleeping together, the getting the good night's sleep, just doesn't work either with someone else or with that particular person. And, you know, I've always said my grandparents. Uh, my, my grandparents, although they're not a roadmap because they were drunk and hated each other, but they actually lived in separate ends of the house, like as far away from each other as they could. If they could have built another wing on the house to get even further away from each other, they would have. So do you not – you have to walk through her room to get to the bathroom. So it's sort of like the – it's like one of those connected hotel I rooms.
6: I thought I was being considered. Well, let's –
1: just before, before we get to the business of the sink – it's two bedrooms connected by a – no, that wouldn't make sense. It's two bedrooms next to each other, but the bathroom is on the far side of her bedroom.
6: Yeah, like something like that. So you
1: have to walk through her bedroom to get to the bathroom. Yeah. So you have been – we'll just say using. You have been using the sink where?
6: I, I did it one time, and she wasn't asleep. What, what sink, though? It was a, a kitchen sink.
2: Okay. Hi. Did you tell her?
6: No, uh, she... Uh, I, I I. didn't want to wake her up. I thought I was being considerate. She wasn't sleeping, and she...
1: Oh, and she discovered you in the act? Yes. Wow. Oh. Well, first of all, that's pretty... Were you on a, standing on a chair?
6: Uh, no. Were you... Are you tall? Are you tall? Well, I guess so.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, let's... And keep in mind, we're going to keep this very clean here, but... Uh, this is a question of sociological import, uh, as Janice Joplin would say. So, you know, here on the, uh, on the News Talk radio station that is uh, AM 970 KCMD Portland. Um, well, that's kind of impressive, actually. That you, uh, I mean, is the sink real low to the ground or something? No. Well, well done. Um, <laughs> so she comes in and you are using the sink for that purpose of toileting, as they say, in nursing homes. What did she say?
6: Well, she's just furious. It's I mean, bad. if
1: she, if, you know, keeping it clean, did she go like, what are
6: you doing? She or, shrieked. Yeah.
1: And did you, and I, I, I have to she ask. She wants
6: to call Steve Wilkos.
1: I have to. I can hear you
5: repeat hello? yourself. Hello? Yes, hello. <laughs> Who's the other person you're talking to? Hello?
1: Hello? Yeah. Hello. Yes. Hello. Hi. Who's yeah. the Who's the other person you're talking to? I don't
6: know. Anyway, um,
3: you don't know who you're talking to. You don't
1: know I, who you're talking to.
6: I, I, hello. Are you there? Yes. Hello. OK. Um,
1: no, no, no. Oh, stop. So just now. I do believe this is some time after we tried to establish whether you were wasting everyone's time with a made up call. Yeah. Just now. Yeah. So I heard you repeating a sentence off uh, the phone several times, almost as though you were uh, r- relaying to someone else what you said.
6: No, no. I, I just didn't know that you were still on the on the line there.
1: I'm almost certain. Did we all hear him
3: whispering something thought just I was now? I whispering, but I don't know. My my hearing isn't too good.
1: Let's, presuming under the uh, theory that this is, in fact, a real call and yeah. that we're not going to have to find you and beat you senseless into a powder, what is your question?
6: Well, uh how bad should I feel uh about this? I mean, it isn't this kind of like a guy thing, you know? I mean, uh you know, sometimes expedience or efficiency, uh, you know, um
3: Does she cook a lot?
6: Like, you know, no, she doesn't, cook, she doesn't cook at all.
1: <laughs> David David Walker, you want to uh you wanna take a swing at this one? <laughs>
10: uh um how bad is it? Well, you know.
6: I mean I mean I, I mean
1: it's all relative. How bad is it to her?
6: Whose well, house like is say, it? Like she, she won't let go of it. Who's whose house is it? It's mine.
3: Oh, you should be able to pee wherever you yeah, want. Yeah, exactly. You it's you a, a man's home
10: there. is his urinal, sir. Pee in the middle of the living room. Um, this is what I would say. I would tell her that um, that urine is actually nothing more than recycled blood with uh, a lot of vitamins in it, so it's actually really healthy for you. Like it's you,
1: sterile, actually. Yeah,
10: if you if you have uh, athlete's foot, good cure for athlete's foot is to you know uh, pee yeah. on your feet. So. Uh, <laughs> this is medical
0: <laughs> advice, by the way. That
10: so we're it's, that's here.
3: true. I've heard that.
10: Yeah. So it's, you know, while it might seem weird, and actually, sir, it is weird, um, <laughs> just just point out, you know, hey, there's worse things I could have done, and, and I promise not to do it again. I think that's the best way to say it. Exactly,
1: there you go. That's exactly what I handled. So you know what? It could have been worse, and now that I know it bugs you, um, I won't do it again. I may occasionally wake you up walking through your uh, bedroom to get to the uh, toilet, but, uh, you know, won't happen again. Don't worry about it. And then if she holds on to it, that's, uh, that's her problem, not yours, sir.
6: Okay, well, you know, I, I can understand, you know, how I'm supposed to feel bad and everything, but, uh, you know, because there, yes. there were some dishes in the sink, but it's not like I
2: didn't.
1: You know what? I don't care. Real or not, I'm done. Yeah. That was, maybe it's real. Maybe it's not. I don't care. We're moving on. And wait. Ooh, have it hung up. There, I have hung up. All right, it's 503-733-2970. I honestly don't know if that's a fake call or not.
3: I think it was real.
1: I think it was real. I don't think
3: it was... I think he was just confused.
1: Yeah. 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 No, no, I don't all think...
3: Right. I, and I don't think he was whispering. I think he was... I don't think he was all there.
1: <laughs> you think he was like
3: the... Bubblegum! <laughs> uh,
1: that guy. All right. Uh, here's What's David that word Walker. The
3: Don yells? Apples!
1: Pat and Oswald thing. Uh, here's David Walker, ladies and gentlemen. All right,
10: well... <clears throat> Just when we thought we were rid of MC Hammer, he is back.
1: I never really thought we were rid of MC Hammer. Those are like the troops in Iraq. You yeah, know? <laughs> MC Hammer is the uh, he is the troops in the demilitarized zone of uh, North Korea of hip hop. Well, you know, I guess I like I like
10: MC Hammer as a personality, I mean, as a cultural I, I, reference. Yeah, I, well, I liked him on the Surreal Life. He was on the first season of the Surreal Life. Was that
1: the one with Ron Jeremy?
10: Uh, he wasn't on with Ron Jeremy. He was on with um, Who, Vince Neil of Motley Crue. Oh, right, right, And they, right, they became, right, like, right. best friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That one. yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, Vince Neil had his breakdown, and, um, you know, MC Hammer sort of, you know, they just, yeah, it was weird. It was a really weird. Was he back to being MC Hammer at that point, or was he still Hammer? Um, you know what? I, I think he was still just Hammer. I think he still is Hammer. I don't think he's, um, I think people just sort of refer, like, people still call Vanilla Ice Vanilla Ice, even though he's... Whatever, he is. well, he and Prince was Prince there. the whole time, right? Yeah. You
1: know that's the thing. Because I remember at one, you know, because he was MC Hammer. Then when the Funky Headhunter came out, he was just Hammer. Oh yeah, to check yeah. the heads who misunderstood, <laughs> uh, and uh, and then I, but then he did that whole kind of you know realizing, ooh, that didn't work out so well. Yeah. I'm going to go back to you know what made me famous, um, and then he, you know, but then the, his high watermark to me is always going to be was it? I don't remember the product. It's not Geico, but was that Life comes at you fast? Oh. Where's that spot where he's like dancing in front of his house and they're moving in like a swimming pool and oh, then yeah. the next thing he's like sitting in front of it and they're locking the gate yeah, like yeah. foreclosed <laughs> that was just the greatest commercial ever well he's got he does have a pretty good sense of
10: humor about who he is and where he exists well, you would have, have to the culture world i mean well, some people don't
5: yeah,
1: yeah.
3: Russell, you like, have like the quarries or like vanilla totally. ice how he's totally you know bitter who's crazy i mean crazy.
1: and you know and, and we had the uh, you know we have vanilla ice on the show we interviewed him. Uh, and we actually, when he came to, it was, it was then called Outlaws in 2007. Vanilla Ice came and he performed at Outlaws and we, you know, they're like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to host a, you know, do you want to present the Villanice show? And I'm like, absolutely. Like he's a, he's a part of, he's an indelible part of pop culture. Like, yes, I am absolutely there. And people kind of gave us some crap for it. I'm like, you know what? Like he'd sold 9 jillion records and you didn't. And so you can get bent. Uh, but we had him on the show and he was, he was uh, such a legitimately, Nice guy, at least when we talk to him. I, you know, I understand that he's had the he has his his difficulties, and apparently can be a bit of a jackass. And you know, and him and his wife and I've had all kinds of weirdness and like, like pounding on each other and you know, whatnot. So, I mean, clearly there's a lot going on in that guy's head, but he does seem like a like a, a basically good guy who I think just went crazy at one point and never came back. Mm-hmm. And just is so embittered. Like we've all seen the thing on MTV of him going nuts with the baseball bat and like s- trashing the oh, set. Yeah. Which is a little freaky. We're,
3: and then he just got—he uh, was arrested recently for right. beating up his girlfriend, right?
1: Uh, well, see, but I think he—it was one of those things where like that happened, but then there was some sort of some sort of allegation that it was like I don't know if this is true, but the later the version of the story I then heard—not that it makes it any better—was it like was the neighbor looked looked over and saw them both punching each other in the face back and forth like some sort of Punch and Judy show? Oh, Jesus! Um, but uh, it, you know, so that guy's obviously—he has not really come to terms with that. And do you remember this? I know David Walker. You remember this when? MC Hammer was touring on Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him, and Vanilla Ice was his opening act. Yeah. And then it crossed because to the extreme became a huge hit, and suddenly it was like, hey,
10: Hammer, um... Yeah, we don't want to hurt you, but um, <laughs> you
1: are. How do you feel about being an opening act? Yeah, yeah.
10: My sister
3: great. was all about MC Hammer, and I was all about Vanilla Ice.
1: Really? Was that the mm-hmm. big Was that the big Blur Oasis battle in your
10: house?
3: It was indeed. Yeah. Wow.
1: <laughs> right. That's,
10: I'm, I'm glad I wasn't around to hear that argument going on. Were you a fan of it, of MC Hammer's music when it came out? Beyond. <clears throat> um, he had a song on his first album, which I can't remember. The Turn this mother out. Yeah. Yeah. Which, was, which and the the video was like cool because he was like super spastic i mean it looked like he was on speed and crank at the same time doing this crazy dance and it was like it was like oh yeah this guy's kind of cool and then you know when he did you know the can't touch this i was like yeah just it's time to go (laughs) (laughs) i can't buy this i'm sorry yeah uh
1: the but yeah he did turn this mother out and then he did something else yeah, no, it wasn't the second maybe, one, uh, I guess Please Hammer Don't Hurt It yeah. must have been the uh, must have been the second one. <laughs> and God, I was working at top forty radio and I just had to play that constantly. The only interesting th- story that I have about MC Hammer is that when I was I was still in Kennewick, which is, you know, the minuscule town at that point, it was like, I don't know, twenty five thousand people maybe. And it was one of those great things where they had booked him to play Kennewick before he became huge. <laughs> and like somehow there was still a contractual obligation. And so it was like just as he was ascendant with uh, with Can't Touch This and he was having to play like this, you know, hillbilly town of like, you know, you know, it was like it was literally like a high school gymnasium or something. Yeah, but, you know, that probably helped
10: the record sales even more just because like usually really big stars don't come and play those.
1: Totally. Venues, so. No, I've, I've been I've seen that a couple of times. The other one was like the Black Crows where they book they booked the Black crows to play come play Kennewick and then Shake your Money Maker was a huge hit, and chris uh, Robinson was just so clearly pissed that he had to be here in this like you know town full of rubes that he was unbelievably drunk and spent the entire night punching Rich Robinson in the face while they played. It was gold I'm sure, what is the actual m c Hammer story that Oh we yeah get to <laughs> he's got a reality t
10: v show scheduled to air later in two thousand nine Hammer Time will air on u s a network oh no excuse me on a and e and uh, it'll follow the daily life of himself, his wife, his five children, and two nephews. And um, I really don't know what to expect from it. It says here, MC Hammer gave a taster of what fans might expect, writing on his hugely pop- popular Can you Twitter feed. make up words as a journalist now? Can you just stick a lot of things in that don't make any sense? Yeah, well, it says right here, gave a taster. <laughs> At first I thought it said taser. And I was like, he tased his fans? Welcome to my new show.
1: <clears throat>
10: yeah. <laughs> on his Twitter feed.
1: I can't tase this.
10: Uh, top five things to do today. One, gym. Two, production meetings. Three, dance I don't know what we're jam. talking about. What
5: are we doing? <laughs> what are you, do- you were talking this about is- MC Hammer
10: in a reality, now you're reading a Twitter thing. What are you this doing? Is- this is MC Hammer's Twitter, which apparently is very popular. Why is, is that part of the story? Because Wait, apparently I- this is the what to expect from the show, it says right here. Oh, God. Um, I hate this country. MC Hammer <laughs> gave okay. a taster of what fans might expect.
3: I'm going onto his Twitter account right now.
10: Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so apparently... I guess the point is is that you can expect on this new show, Hammer Time, which will air on A&E, very mundane things from MC Hammer, such as be grateful and appreciative to be among the living. That's not a show. You can't have a show about being grateful. If you're MC Hammer, you can't. Maybe.
3: 26 minutes ago, MC <laughs> Hammer wrote, hippie love, baby.
1: Oh God! Kill me! I can't wait for this show. Billion dollar technology. Yep, exactly. You realize the internet was created to preserve governmental <laughs> communications after a nuclear war, right? And now it's being used so you know, MC Hammer can talk to us about what kind of cheese he's going to have with his lunch. <laughs> I want.
10: I, he strikes me as a cheddar guy. Jesus God Almighty. <laughs>
1: um, but doesn't it seem? Doesn't it seem like MC Hammer? Must have already had a reality show. Like, in other words, if we could go back time warp to ten minutes ago before the story, if you were to say, true or false, MC Hammer's already had a couple reality shows. Like, based just him.
10: I'd say, true. I, I thought he did, because I thought that after the success of Surreal Life, because he's also a minister...
0: Right. And of and course. I
10: thought there was at one point cuz at one point they were talking about giving him his own reality show and then at one point they were I actually remember reading something about him and Vince Neil just having a show together like a heaven
1: and hell kind
10: yeah, of a, yeah, a yeah, show. Yeah. And
1: and now that might have been kind of interesting.
10: I might
0: have watched that. That one I might have watched. Sort
1: of a sort of a, a weird like a perfect strangers kind of a thing. Exactly. He's a rock star, he's a rapper turned reverend. Or they just could have called it the new odd couple. Totally. And it would have been like, "Yeah,
10: exactly." Hey, speaking <laughs> of
1: speaking of reverence, can I tell you this? That, uh, th- th- because of course, and the reason that it would be it, probably it's market saturation if you give Hammer his own show about being a Reverend, because then there's the, the Reverend Run yeah, in Run, yeah. Run's house. Um, and I, th- th- that, uh, it, that Run was actually the last rock fest that KUFO did. And I, I do have to say, uh, just it, it, talking about, you know, sort of the hip hop from that era and just in reality shows and how everything sort of, everything old is new again and whatever, I, even though I was like a hundred yards away, because they were kind of, you know, they, they were kind of, kind of clear in a path so you couldn't get real close. But even though I was like 100 yards away I do it and I get chills actually just thinking about it. I do have to say we were backstage but not up on the backstage because again they were kind of you know there's kind of you know there's this sort of buffer zone but I was in the backstage area within sight of the trailer and then and the stairs that led to the stage at Rockfest and uh and so Kid Rocket had already walked out there and then and then Run is you know he and then he goes back at one point and then he and Run are walking to the stage together. And I do it, and there was this moment where like uh, Run stopped, and he has the hat, you know, yeah. and he and he takes and he uh, and he just stops for a moment because it was like it was not quite like like the brim wasn't quite right or something. So he stops, and he kind of like adjusts it, and then he does that thing of like popping it out from the inside, yeah, and then he puts it on and he adjusts it, and he looks at Kid Rock, and Kid, Kid Rock looks at it and goes like and nods like it's okay, and then he turns, he walks to the stage, and it was like the greatest moment of my life. It was just the coolest thing I'd ever witnessed. Yeah, that would have. I, I met uh, years ago. I mean, we're talking 20
10: years ago. I met uh, Public Enemy and George really? Clinton at the same time. How they, did, they were they were doing a photo shoot for Rolling Stone, and it was sort of like a, a, the photo shoot had to do with generations and like a roots like kind yeah. of know
1: your the roots yeah. of your music kind of a thing. Yeah.
10: And um and so they all three of them were together, and I could not say anything to George Clinton. I mean, because he's like that legendary. But Public Enemy, I was like, oh hey, it's great yeah. to meet you guys. I'm a big fan. Da da da. And George Clinton looks at me and he goes. What about me? Wow. And I was just like and, i know. you know,
5: oh, <laughs> I
10: feel so sorry. I just said I, I did I was like I, I don't have anything to say, sir. I mean it was just like yeah.
1: Oh, I can't even I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean it's just yeah. because he's I mean, you talk
10: about a guy who's just beyond legendary. Yeah, no, that would there's 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 only a handful of people I think I'd go completely nuts if I met him and just uh, completely nuts, and these are people who are still alive. Because yeah. I'd go completely nuts if I met Jimi Hendrix, but then he'd be a corpse, and that would be, like, really funny. Well, meeting George
1: Clinton is like, you know, th- th- I was going to say one step down, but it's one step sideways because he's, cause he's not not below or above, just different than. I was gonna, like meeting James Brown. I yeah. mean, it's James the same, or... very much in the same genus uh, right there musically. But, um, so, uh, when you met Public Enemy, was it, was it just Chuck D? Chuck was, D, was it? It was Chuck
10: D and Flavor Flav before he became the what he is now. Yes. And he's just, I mean, that's like, you want to talk about, I think that's one of the, the, the saddest state of affairs, period. And I just, I'd like to take my shoe off and hit him with
1: it. Repeatedly hit him. <laughs> I'd watch a reality show, David Walker beats Flavor Flav with a shoe.
10: <laughs> I, or I could just do that. There's a lot of people i do that with. He'd just be number one. And this week, again, this week, he beats Flavor Flav again with a shoe.
1: Oh, man. We get back. Remind me to tell you, I have a little, I have a little Flavor Flav anecdote to share with you when we get back. Okay. All right. Hey, it's Kid Rock. Did you do that? Or is that more of that weird audio vault reading our minds thing that happens at times? I don't know. Rick Emerson.
5: Actually, okay.
1: All right. Back after this more with David Walker. Coming up later on, Scott Daly, and another installment of The Greatest Songs Ever Made. Say there, it's The Rick Emerson Show. Rock and roll's on
5: All
1: so right, I was busy talking to the vending machine guy, and so forth. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. All right, in just a second we're gonna bring uh, Eric, the vending machine guy, in here because this is the last day. He's moving on, moving on to different pastures.
3: Moving on, moving up,
1: leaving us in the hands of some other guy. All right, and he's on a promo right now. If uh, if you're listening to the station uh, every uh, moment of the day, as you should be, uh, I'm speaking to you, P1s. Uh, you uh, you will be hearing this promo that runs, and it's us uh, upbraiding Eric for not having uh, restocked the machine with viso.
2: And so, now, did your daughter recognize your voice, or did you have to point it out? I pointed. I was like, I heard out of the corner of my ear. I was like, a conversation about Visa. Oh, Because no. we didn't tell you it was going to be, you know, it no. was going to be
1: you. You just heard we, we
2: just. I just heard, it it and, then, and then I turned it up, and I, tur- I said to my girls, I said, uh, Daddy's on the radio. Why? Yeah, <laughs> why, Daddy? Because uh, Daddy did something wrong. Yeah, and so it's us, like, you've
1: got to get more Visa. What's your problem? You suck. Uh, so you are going to be uh, moving on to, uh, to a different field, a different yeah. uh, whatever? Exactly. All right, and so it, now you're leaving us the to of somebody good? He's good. You're not going to slack? and like, No. Gonna be go like a buddy it's going like to be like a bunch of Canada Dry that nobody wants or something, right? Or whatever. No, You guys Cause... love Canada Dry. Or whatever it is. It was like, we
2: need mixers. We need, like, ginger ale, tonic water. Really? Yeah. Sarah? No, I don't
3: drink. I don't think no, I've no, ever had a it. Canada Dry.
2: That was Dave's thing. Oh, Dave, Dave wants donuts and ginger ale. Oh, Dave's
1: in. Yeah. All right. Okay, just checking. I mean, one never knows. Uh, so, uh, all right. Well, you know, uh, well, we've it's it's been a pleasure receiving, uh, you know, your many goods and services and your beverages. And by the way, i got to say right now, if you look at the vending machine, it is fully stocked, it, it, like the whole second row, basically. It, it, it's essentially nothing but Viso, including Dynamo, brand new flavor, uh, which is my current favorite. So, thank you for that. Darn. And, uh, you know, and just not to, not to be all like Johnny Buzzkill about it here, but... um. It's one of the, it almost sounds like one of those things where you end the fortune cookie thing with like in bed where it's like everything is like because of the economy. I hadn't ever thought about this. You were talking about the vending machine and I, it, I said, you know, the vending machine, I said, this is an industry that never go away because you can't download a soda. You know, you can't like go on the internet and get like, you know, get yourself like a hostess snack pie or something. But I hadn't really thought about this. You were saying that the vending machine industry does get hit because as companies fire people, there are fewer people in every building to use the vending machine, which I had never really thought about. And it's like every single day I hear about a different ripple effect that I had never considered. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, a good friend of ours, whose job is to either disconnect or connect phone service for people. And right now you think, well, what, everybody has cell phones. Nobody has landlines. You know who has landlines? Businesses. And you know what? If you close down a business, you're closing down, you know, sometimes two, three, five, ten, fifteen. Uh, phone lines that are, you know, because they have landlines, they have, you know, Got fax it. machines still, data lines. And so I never thought about that. And he said, you know, eventually we're going to reach the point where we're not adding any more phone lines and we've turned off all the phone lines we're going to turn off. And he's like, then we're going to get fired. And you didn't, I haven't thought about that as a, as an outcome. It's just, it's just so weird
2: yeah. when you trickle this all the way down and you see who's, who all is being a fight to buy it. So, mm. yeah, anyway. Exactly. I'm yanking the uh, machines out of your uh, coin tower here. Pretty soon, because there's only like seven people over there now. Really? So, I mean, what do you... What Did do you hear do you? that? So he's removing the machines at the coin
3: time. Oh, no way.
1: That's that's, that's, that's the sign of the times right there. He's fl- You're not just scaling it out. You're flat out removing them.
2: We yeah, used to yeah how do you there. make a machine smaller? That's you, true. You know, Jesus. And it all comes down to... It's the labor cost to go and fill it and service it with the bodies that aren't there to, wow. to support the... The cost is like two guys there. Drive there yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like you have two vending
1: machines and you got to drive there and yeah, fix we it. When I first started
3: working there, was packed full of people. Yeah, you got oh, like, really.
1: well, you know, uh, and this, you know, and they moved a lot of people over to this building, so that's a lot of it. But apparently, <laughs> I guess if you, trying to help you, uh, trying to consolidate it, one trip, you know. Uh, but I guess this was the same way at Fisher when they moved us out of Fisher or when they moved JJ out of Fisher, but we were stuck behind by ourselves at KTK. I guess if you go to the coin tower now, You know, couple is still there. uh, You know, our sister station, couple is still there broadcasting, but they moved all the salespeople, all the uh, management, and I guess it's just like a ghost town. I guess there's one person left in a cubicle, a friend Annie. (laughs) You know Annie, uh, the squirrel lover? Yes. Uh, She is, there's a whole cubicle farm that looks looks like one of those old-fashioned ice ice cube tray things, and I guess she is a cubicle in the middle, and apparently all of the other light bulbs just by coincidence have burned out, and the only light bulb left is the one directly over her desk, so it's like this weird sort of like... It's like this strange, like, like sort of Kafka-esque, like piece of artwork, like this sort of Soviet artwork, where it's like her in the middle of an empty cube farm with a single light above her, and it's yeah. just empty. So, anyway. That is so creepy. Uh, well, happy trails, my friend, and uh, I hope everything continues to uh, to work out
2: well for you. It should. Can I can I do one thing? Being yeah. This is probably my last opportunity to do whatever. I've always I've always wanted to be a puker, and do like the. You know, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Kind of you do it, can do that. I, be, I'll no. just roll back up. You just do whatever, no. whatever you want. I, I, the only time, one time I called Sarah to t- and uh, wanted to do the uh, making a scene like a long, long time ago. And I ne- I've never been able to sit on hold long in the field to do it. But I told my wife that I would. All right. Do you, are you going to be able to make a scene here? I'll make a scene. All right. All right. Ladies nice.
1: and gentlemen, Eric, the vending machine guy, makes a
2: scene. Yeah, go to full bald head. It's, uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, exactly. This uh from uh, The Sure Thing, John Cusack, and... Stephanie, whatever, Zuniga. Yeah, yes, yes. Right, right. So she's uh They're out in the middle of nowhere, and a pickup truck stops, and he says, "I wouldn't take that ride if I were you." And she's all mad at him, so she jumps in the pickup. Uh, a few miles down the road, the uh, the guy that's driving the pickup starts putting the moves on, on her, and neither of them in the in the pickup know that John Cusack had jumped in the back. Right. And so he jumps out, and he as the truck is stopped in the side of the road, he jumps in, and he says. Thanks for the ride. I've been out here all day. I'm not interrupting anything, am I? Me and the wife just have a little squabble. Most people are afraid to pick up hitchhikers. I mean, you never know who you might pick up. I mean, I could be some crazed slimeball. I mean, a real violent psycho, you know? I mean, the kind of guy that would rip your heart out and eat it just for pleasure. I'm talking about a total maniac. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Why aren't we moving? Don't you want to give me a ride? I'm only going about another mile or so. And what the hell did you pick me up for? You think I've got nothing better to do with my life than to sit here and to pass the time with you? Brains! I don't think I want this ride after all. And I think I'll take your wife with me, if you don't mind. <laughs> Any. Right out of the wow. car right, well done
1: sir <laughs> congratulations very good you sir. should be an actor i know as deeply unnerving by the way you were like and you were like method acting At you're like jabbing and that's pointing and you're all sweaty all
2: right i'm always
1: sweating. way to go out that's a that's a good end right there Woo! all right Rock on. all right thank you my friend all right there you go eric the vending eric. machine awesome. guy bringer of the viso all right it's 503 we'll welcome ed mccarthy to the program here in just one second. still to come uh, Scott Daly will be here from geekinthecity.com and we'll have another installment of the greatest songs ever made from the South. CNN radio correspondent and mellow dude, Ed McCarthy. Hello, Ed. How are you today? Rick,
13: how are you today?
1: I am fantastic. How's life, sir?
13: Oh, not too bad. Uh, Got some protests going on around the country here.
1: Hey, I wanted to ask you about this. This is a thing that uh, you and I... I'm going to make a little confession. You and I talked about this the other day, and you mentioned it, and I feigned uh, sort of understanding. Like, I pretended that I knew what you were talking about, and I didn't. Um, (laughs) Because you were talking about the, uh, the, 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 the Tea Party protest. And, of course, I thought, well, you mean, like, with the Revolutionary War? And, of course, you didn't mean that. And then later in the call, I was trying to sort of bluff my way like I knew what you were talking about. And I'm just going to admit here, I'm not that bright. I don't really know. You're very
13: bright. Come on. Well, what is? pull it, yourself short.
1: Well, sort of give me the broad stroke here. What, what is the, What is this Tea Party story you're talking about? It's what kind are the of
13: a takeoff on it. You know, what I called it today was the uh, the Tea Party that, uh, you know, f- battled against taxes. At, you know, no taxation without representation. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't dump any tea today around the country, but they dumped on the stimulus plan. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, this is really kind of interesting today. They had a, you know, this, I was in the one in Atlanta, but they were all over many cities all over the country. like Chicago, Washington, Pittsburgh, Fort Worth. You know, they had a, you know, a bunch of them around there. Uh, Pittsburgh, San Diego. They were handing out stimulus bucks today at this thing. And I so when you of Harry Reid and Nancy it. It says the United States of Debt, one trillion.
1: And so when you say that these are people gathering it because they're opposed to the stimulus plan, this is uh, it seemed, I would imagine these are folks on the right side of the aisle.
13: Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's a grassroots effort. You know, and this thing it started with this Santelli rant on CNBC. I, I'm sure you've seen that. No, right I
1: have.
5: Now.
13: Right. Very familiar, and uh, these people in two days they uh, they got you know tens of thousands of people around the country for these protests, which I thought was kind of interesting to get that many people so quickly. But uh, they call them tea parties, and they say that uh, their message isn't going to end with the stimulus because now they can't do anything about that; it's too late. But they say that uh, in the future now they're focusing on taxes. So uh, according to the groups, uh, the one group that runs this whole show is Freedom Works. They say the Tea Party in Boston was an act of direct protest by American colonists, uh, and they say that uh, the group sees itself now as the centerpiece of rallies uh, to reinvigorate the American and patriotic spirit, one that demands respect for individual rights and property. So, you know, they had signs today out there in, uh, in Atlanta. Today it was just uh, had a pouring rain, and they had about three or four hundred people that showed up for this thing, which was pretty good. Uh, they had signs, and one of them, you know, they showed uh, you know money being dumped down the toilet.
1: <laughs> they're masters of subtlety.
6: The, they certainly are.
1: You know what? got you know what CNN uh, ought to do? I mean, because you could do sort of a uh, uh, like a yin yang, uh, uh, Oscar and Felix kind of a thing. They ought to have you know like yourself out there because you bring a you know the reasoned, rational approach to all these stories, and then just as like a kooky sort of like picture-in-picture kind of thing, they ought to have Rod Blagojevich out there covering every single one of these stories, no matter what it is, even if it's something he knows nothing about, even if it's something he's never even heard of, they ought to just put him out there just to cover it, just, you know, just because. And then, you know, so he can be sort of the... uh, he can be the uh, he can be the the, the sort of uh, you know, the the, uh, the cherry on top of your uh, of your news delivering Sunday, sir.
13: You know all the reporters that chased him, he could be one of the reporters chasing somebody else for a change. Right? They ought
1: they ought to do that. They ought to totally have a show where Rob Lagojevich goes and he and he stalks reporters. He stalks paparazzi.
13: I don't think he's done. I mean, you know, obviously he's got to go through the legal process. Uh, if he gets indicted with all of this, but...
1: Uh... My theory is, he. this is, I'm serious about this, Rob Lagojevich will be one of those guys, I don't know if it'll be successful, but he will try to reinvent himself, and then he will try to, like, tour and give speeches and sort of motivational seminars about surviving and managing a crisis and rising above bad situations to realize your dreams despite the obstacles that life may put in front of you. That's possible. I just made that up, but you can totally see him doing that with that, that weird comb-forward really thing. Honestly. All right. Well, there you go. Um, my friend, uh, I know it is your Wednesday? Tuesday?
13: No, it's my, actually my Thursday.
1: Your Thursday. So uh, we will talk to you at some point in the new week. Until then, uh, have a good tomorrow and a good, uh, a good Sunday and Monday. So we'll talk to you soon.
13: Thank you so much, Rick. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you.
1: Ed McCarthy, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Hello, David Walker. Hello. How are you? I'm fantastic. My flavor-flavor uh, Flav story is not that interesting, so I'm going to skip it. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to say that uh, I, I'll, I'll substitute a, a friend of mine, uh, his public enemy story for mine. Uh, I had a friend of mine who I shouldn't identify him. I shouldn't. Uh, but it's a, it's a guy who's sort of a friend of the show. I I I, I won't identify him for this reason. So he um, huge public enemy fan, and he and uh, he works in the media. Okay. And he and a coworker of his also a huge public enemy fan. They work in the media and they had access to a very high quality uh camera, video camera. The kind you might use in television. And uh they were somewhere where Chuck D was speaking or he was like at a you know, he was at like a symposium or he lecture or something and they're like, "Dude, Chuck D is he's totally down the street." let's go film him, you know, we'll say it's for whatever. And they were just, their whole thing is like they were just going to go and they were going to film him and they were going to like figure out what to do with the footage later. They were going to try to like figure out some way to get their work to use it or air it or whatever. And so they go down there and, of course, they were just unbelievably high at the time too, just <laughs> unbelievably stoned. And he actually, when he was telling me the story, he said it was actually like what it was like. Uh, he said it was not the most stoned he'd ever been in his life, but it was like a close second. Uh, because he could tell me that he could tell me that most do he'd ever been. He's like, this is second only to that. He's like, I was so unbelievably high. And he was just like, his, you know, the, the, where the eyes are just like, you know, just so like, like the lids are just halfway down and just, they like, could barely talk. But he's like, we can't miss Chuck D. So they go with the video with the video camera and they, somehow they talk their way in because they have the camera and they have some credentials and whatever. And this Chuck D. And he said that you know, this Chuck D he's speaking about, like, social responsibility among the youth and, you know, about, uh, you know, and Chuck D says this whole thing about, like, living clean and, you know, making the best, you, you know, lifting yourself up and having a goal and keeping your, you know, keeping your thoughts and your body pure and whatever and the, the struggle and so forth. And meanwhile, here's these, like, here's these two, like, at this point, early 20-something guys, like these, like, scruffy white guys with backward baseball caps, both of them just unbelievably stoned and obviously so. And he said that in retrospect, he looks back and he can, you know, if he watches the footage, like the, like he said, you can see it all over Chuck D's face. Like he could just say, he's like, oh, God, you know, and he's just like, and he, you know, he's being interviewed but you know, by the fabulous furry freak brothers. And he said that he feels so bad now when you look at because you can see on Chuck D's face like how he's just like in his head going, Jesus, why didn't I leave earlier? Why did I stick around for coffee? Ah, oh, I don't want to be doing this. So that's way better than my story, which just involves Flavor Flav. After the show at the Roseland was done, uh, show done, how you know lights up, house music playing, crowd departing, everyone else has left the stage. Chuck, the DJ, the S1Ws, they've all left the stage. Flavor Flav, shirtless, sweating, and I think maybe a little high, is on stage just doing like a twirly dance and like demanding that the crowd stick around and watch him scream things.
10: So there you go, the all end. Right, he's yeah, he's quite the character for sure. So here's
1: David Walker, ladies and gentlemen.
10: All right, a rare 1776 copy of the Declaration of Independence belongs to a Virginia technology entrepreneur, entrepreneur, not the state of Maine, the Virginia Supreme Court ruled today. Richard Adams, Jr., Fairfax County, purchased a document, the document from a London book dealer in 2001 for $475,000, but the state of Maine claimed it belonged to the town of Wiscasset, which is where it was kept by the town clerk in 1776. Um, but the Virginia High Court ruled that, no, it, in fact, does belong to Adams. Now, what I did not know, because I'm thinking, wow, I didn't know they had copies of the Declaration of Independence. But in the state of Massachusetts, there were 250 copies printed and distributed throughout towns in that state. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had no idea. And at that time, Maine was part of Massachusetts. And there's multiple copies of the Bill of Rights, too. Yes. Um, and But apparently there are only 11 of these copies Of these 250 copies still in existence. Uh, They were printed by Ezekiel Russell in Salem, Massachusetts. Um, and there may be more copies. There may be more than these eleven. So cue Dan Brown to write a terrible book right now. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or I, didn't they make them? Um, is that National the, Treasure? The, oh, yeah. Those movies—they're special kind of suck.
1: Uh, they are. And I'm reading this, uh, this kind of this noir detective novel. It's like a contemporary noir thing right now. Whose name I actually uh, forget. Uh, so uh, I sound like a tool. But um, Dan from Powell's like, you got to read this book. And I got about a, a chapter in, and then I got distracted by a thing. So I got to resume it. But uh, but it's this sort of weird, sort of snarky noir detective novel about a guy who's got to track down another copy of the Declaration of Independence. But I think it's sort of like, I think stuff like that is like, you know, the homemade demo tape that some band Xeroxes, you know, like the art, and they distribute it to all their stoner friends. And then later, like the band, and that band was Blink-182. And then, you know, later, and that's where you see the guy on Behind the Music going, so if you, dude, if you got a copy of that, you save that, you save that S, you put that on eBay, it's worth something, dude. And it's like just some crap that they did, you know, like one day after high school in their bedroom. That's what I think this is, because if you go to D.C., you can see an original copy of the Bill of Rights, but I think they said it's one of, like, 50 copies or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. It's, uh I, I d- dig stuff like that. But you
10: never know. So, um, now, probably, you're, you're more likely to find one of these in your basement or your... Family attic. If you live somewhere in New England, I would imagine Maine or Massachusetts, but oh. you never know. This is one of those things. Like a couple of years from now, some story's going to turn up on the news. Some, you know, family was cleaning out the garage and they found a copy of, you know, the Declaration of Independence, and now they're filthy rich. And and which is why I save everything because you never know. Someday there might be something.
1: Because you might hold it up to a lamp and it'll yellow in just the right way, and it's a map.
10: That's right. Or it's or it's my. Issue of TV Guide from 1958. Someday it's going to be worth something. Let me so.
1: ask you this: Do you own uh, any uh, piece of, in other words, not like artwork? Do you own any kind of pop culture item that you do believe is valuable or will become very valuable? Uh, well, according to eBay, nothing I
10: have is valuable. I, I go on periodically and check. Yeah, I mean, I, I have, I, I still have a couple comic books in my collection that are are, are actually really, really valuable. But finding someone to Buy them is like
1: well because you know, it's only as value it's only worth as much as somebody will pay exactly and right now maybe that's not quite as much um,
10: yeah I've got I, I have I have a couple things that might be I'm not I have an Elvis Presley belt buckle it's like this commemorative belt buckle that in 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 shop like seventh grade we had to make. Um, a belt? It was really... And, and you had a choice of what belt buckle did you go with your belt. That you, and so there was this Elvis Presley one, and uh, which just looked cooler than the other one. So I got the Elvis Presley belt buckle. Did it just then, say Elvis on it? No, it's it's, got, it's engraved and it's got, like, you know, Elvis on it. So it's like this sort of sculpture of Elvis. It's a big belt buckle. That, well, of and, course. well, that's, yeah, well There's yeah. no other kind. And, uh, and it says, like, you know, Elvis Aaron Presley. And it's got his birth date and when he died and... And and sometimes I think I should look this up and see if I could get rid of it. And but I can't part with
1: it. It's my mm. Elvis belt buckle. You know, it's like you gotta. I mean, you, do you ever wear it occasionally just to be sort of like, you know, no, because then, then it wouldn't be mint anymore. <laughs> you don't take it. Don't take it out of the packaging. Um, well, you know, Elvis stuff especially is like Elvis things. Like unless you've got uh, you know like some original forty-five of something or other. But even then, uh, they're probably not that valuable because they like a guy who sells a billion records. Like none of those records are valuable because why I sold a billion yeah, of them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Elvis stuff is probably not that valuable like but they always think it is. like I think like more and more now the stuff people think is valuable by definition isn't because they all think it's valuable so they're all saving it. Well people it's are the, idiots that way they really yeah, are Like it's the crap that you don't ever think is going to be valuable. That ends up being worth me. Why? Everybody thinks it's crap, so they throw it away. Well, like... Like Beanie Babies? Like Beanie Babies.
10: <laughs> or, or no, a couple of weeks ago, I was... I was uh When I was on... Right around uh, Valentine's Day, and I was talking about Gloria Jones, who sang the original version of Tainted Love. 76, right. she recorded a solo album that Mark Bolin of T-Rex produced. Yes. And I, I didn't know this album existed. I was like, I gotta get this album. So I go online, I'm looking for it, and Amazon's got, like, copies of it, but it's out of print. So they're like... You know, two hundred dollars. I'm, I'm not going to pay two hundred dollars for it. But I go, gee, I wonder if they have the album available for MP3 download. Right. So then I go there, eight ninety nine. <laughs> And that's the thing, it's like, before eBay, before the internet, before that, you, maybe you did have something of value, but the, the key is, is now it's everything is so glo- you know, globalized, right. you can, just because you think you've got something incredibly rare. And it's like,
1: is it the content, or is it the package? Yeah, yeah,
10: yeah. You know. and, and for me, like, with an album, I finally got to the point... Where it's the content. Right, like a right. year or two ago, I was totally like, "Oh, I got to be able to, you know, pull it out and read everything." And you know, not not anymore. Now if it's a difference between paying two hundred dollars for something or eight ninety nine for the
1: download.
14: Forget about
1: it. Two things to say about that. One is the only thing music wise, I've told this whole long, long, long sad story about my Mad Magazine collection that everybody has. But uh, but so it, so that's gone. But the the only thing I have music wise that I ever. That I, I think in some way might be valuable, but again, you know, who knows at this point? Um, we were talking about Axl Rose uh, before the, the show today, and I have the original, the original vinyl of Appetite with the original artwork that was okay. then that was then. Oh, man- I, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it is an original sealed vinyl copy. With the one with the rape scene. Yes.
3: Lisa has that above her mantle. Really? Mm-hmm. Excellent.
1: Yeah. But, uh, oh, go on. So I, I was just going to say, so I have that the original artwork version of Appetite for Destruction on sealed vinyl, which, maybe it's worth something, maybe it's not, but I mean, you know, if I, if I own something that's valuable, it's probably that. Oh, and, here's the other thing. I actually do own this, and you know what? It's the old story. I bought it for 50 cents at a garage sale, uh, and it's in almost perfect condition. Uh, maybe not. I would, In comic terms, it's not in VG condition. <laughs> maybe it's in good condition, verging on VG. Um, according to the Mile High standard, it's uh, from G to VG. I own the paperback novel Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High and for people who don't know the novel Fast Times at Ridgemont High actually predates the movie by several years
4: oh yeah written by
1: uh, Cameron Crowe went back you could never do it now went back to school undercover posed as as a high school kid wrote the novel Fast Times at Ridgemont High which they made in the movie You know how much that book is worth? How much? $295. Well, you know what else? Wow. You were talking about Who Framed Roger Rabbit a couple
10: weeks back. Uh, Who
1: Censored Roger Rabbit. Who Censored Roger Rabbit. The novel.
10: Which is also out of print. And because I was, after you were talking about it, I think it was you and Dave Schmitke maybe. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I haven't seen that movie in a while. I sat down and watched the movie and thought, I'm going to read the book because Emerson was talking about the book. I went online and you can't, I mean, you can get it, but you're going to be paying through the nose. Really? Like how much? Uh, you know what? I can't. I honestly can't remember, but I think. But it was way more than you expected it, was, yeah, it to be. Yeah, like I, I, at a, I'm at a point now where I don't even want to pay 20 bucks for a new book. Yeah, totally. Let alone, you know,
1: something that's. Damn, like I wonder if I something. got my
10: copy of that at home somewhere. But But see, then again, you have that stuff. And how do you get someone to buy it off of because See, That's the that's the
1: problem. Totally. And most of that stuff, like the Cameron Crow thing, like the Fast Times and I was totally shocked. Like I paid like fifty cents for it. Yeah. And then I was like looking it up at one point, or I was reading an interview with Cameron Crow, and they were like, Hey, are you ever going to reissue Fast Times, you know, as a book? it's out of print? And he's like, oh, I don't know, maybe when we do like the you know, he joked, like, Oh, the fiftieth anniversary of the movie, maybe whatever. He goes, It's been out of print for a long time so and then he did the old thing, he's like, So kids, if you got a copy of that, you hang on to it and I'm like Wait a minute. That's me. And I went and I went right to eBay and I typed in like "Fast Times at Ridgemont High" you know book, and one came up and it was like you know it was that you know the the, the current current bid two hundred and seventy five dollars and I was like, what, are you for a book? E- are you kidding yeah. me? And I and I actually checked a few other places, and then I was like, oh, and then you get the panic of like. Oh, God, do I still There's have it? Book, yeah. Oh, God, did I use it to clean up a coffee spill? Oh, God. And then I went and I looked through every single book until I found it. And so I do still have that, but that's a weird kind of a thing. Yeah, I because I do. I,
10: I, I collect old paperbacks, you know, a lot of Pulp Fiction stuff. And there's some stuff that I'm looking for, and it's like I I found it, but it's so expensive. And and I'm to a point now where even if I had like just massive amounts of disposable right. income, I'm not going to pay 300 bucks for a
1: book, you right, know? Right, right. I mean, uh, I don't know. I was that way again with with Mad magazines, where yeah. I was like piecing together the entire run from issue one all the way up to I think at that point issue 274
10: or something. And see, and I, I used to be that way with comic books. I spent so much money, and then over the last 10 years, I've I've gotten rid of most of my collection and. You know, and, and my big thing was, like, I, I just wanted to at least get back what I invested right, in it. right? And, and sometimes that's really difficult to do, too.
1: So. Uh, speaking of comic books, let's do this. Let me get these, uh, a couple calls here, then we'll take a break, and we'll do uh, trivia from the golden age of comics on the other side for Watchmen Passes. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. What's up?
11: Hi, Rick. Hey. Is this the triumvirate of uh, Portland broadcasting power?
1: <laughs> what is it? Tri- wait, hold Is it triumvirate like a hydra? <laughs> What's a triumvirate? Is that just three? It's a three. Is it like a trifecta? No, that's like a thing when you're playing the ponies.
11: A horse race, right? Sure. Yes, yes, it is. I have a, I have a question, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the answer to which maybe will be a little bit like uh, wanting to see how the sausage is made. But uh, a while back, when Dave uh, Walker there was reading uh, uh, in some news copy, and, and he was commenting that the the syntax was fouled up or whatever, and uh, so forth. I have a question about when Dave and, and, uh, you know, uh, the the newscasters present the news. Don't they have a time when they go over it, look at it, and and prep it and everything? Prep really?
1: Do you ever listen to this show? How long have you been listening to our program, sir?
6: Well, for years.
1: No. You should know. The answer to that is uh, No.
6: Okay, well, I guess my no. my other answer. My no, we follow through on our
1: response. Our, our
3: news, God is gone. All we, we have is ourselves now. Seriously, and
1: the guy who actually uh, was in that chair before and actually did prepare the news yeah. it, it studied it compulsively and still couldn't pronounce anything correctly. So it's not like that's a roadmap to proper pronunciation.
6: That's true. Homage to Tim. But, yes. But so then, no, uh, the
1: answer to
3: that is uh, no. So that's just just the nature Dude, of. Dude, the they're meat. already doing it for free, and we're appreciative <laughs> for it. Do it better. Do it different. Come on, like. You know, yes. they're doing as best as they can. No,
1: and really, anybody who's tuning into this program to try to, like, glean actual knowledge, from us. the world around you know. You know what? We're going to fill your head with lies and uh, and You learn about our and new and
3: we're not like Britney Spears had breast implants.
1: Seriously. I mean, if you're, like, and this is not directed to you. I'll get to say, you know, you really do a disservice to the audience with the way you present the news. Really? You, you realize it's, like, between a penis watch and, like, a clown watch, right? So Yeah. All right. Anything else today, sir? Uh,
4: no. That's it. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, There you go. You know, the people,
1: I'm not trying to dog the collar, but sometimes people just, like, they ask and then you give them the answer and it's like they somehow, like, they can't accept it. No. No, we don't. We don't, we don't care that much. Really? But you, no.
2: No. No, we don't. Quit? No.
1: Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello.
7: Hello. Hi.
5: Hello.
2: Hi. Hello. Hi. Hey,
7: uh, you guys were talking about, uh, he was talking about old comic books just a few minutes ago. Yes, sir. Um, my, uh, my wife's, uh, dad died and uh, when we were cleaning out his house we found all these books in the attic and they were all the comic books from when he was a child they were the original first run series of batman and superman
1: and so there's like the this is from like what so this would have been what like like late 30s early 40s or something yes.
7: david
10: i don't
1: know, yeah. know when that is late 30s, 30s yeah 40s yeah. well that's pretty yeah. spiffy yeah and
10: so
7: what so, did you uh, but
1: i mean what you do with it i mean where is that stuff
7: uh, we decided to uh, find out how much they were worth. I took them down to one of the comic book stores in uh, Portland and uh, got about $14,000 in wow. boxes of books.
5: Jeez. Holy moly. Yeah. I
7: also have a bunch of stuff that I have no idea where to sell it. Is, uh, they're the uh, nickel and dime readers from, you know, the 30s and the Yeah, 20s. yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's such a weird market for that. I wouldn't even know where to eat
7: I have I have no idea, and I also have what the guy didn't want is all the comic books that he had from World War II when he was in the army about how not to get syphilis, ah, and like
1: venereal stuff. disease. Yeah, yeah, like that. that. What's it, the
7: uh, sad sack comic book thing? Sad sack. Yeah.
1: The uh, and there's that one about I was just talking to Aaron about this the other day. What's his name? The the foolish cowboy that I think that I think, uh, that I think uh, Al Feldstein or Harvey Kurtzman or somebody did, and it was like. And it was like so and so the silly cowboy, and it's like how he goes and visits a brothel, and then oh syphilis. <laughs> so and there was a little, there was a, like a little flexi disc or something that came with it too. The, like it was like a, it was this little song. It was like so and so the silly cowboy, now he has syphilis, and it was all like really bizarre.
8: It's re- really bizarre. And and so
7: it, yeah, funny. and my mom just gave me a whole ton of Elvis 45s that went with the. Elvis I like it. Your mom player. is the
1: inverse to everybody else's mom. My yeah. mom, ma- my mom puts all my Star Wars crap in a bag. And like, you know, like a grab bag, and puts on it five dollars, and sells it like while I'm gone, you know, <laughs> you know, to like some neighbor kid. And your mom is like, and she gave me rare Elvis vinyl.
7: Well, no, my mom did that. Um, all my Star Wars collections from when I was a kid is gone because oh. she sold it at a garage sale. But she didn't do- sell any other Elvis stuff. No, ah,
1: right. because you
7: know Elvis is king.
1: Of course, of course. All right, thank and, you, uh,
7: sir. So- yeah. Here's here's a breaking news update. Yeah. Somebody just wrecked on I-5 North, so the bridge is like toast.
1: Uh, where at?
7: Uh, I'm trying to get on I-5. I'm trying to get on the bridge right now. And but when you bo- Is it on the bridge?
1: But yeah, Is it on yeah. the bridge itself?
7: Yeah, because the uh, Vancouver Fire Department just passed me. Oh,
1: All right. So, yeah, I-5 North is, is the suck. Avoid.
7: Yeah. And oh. uh, do you guys need more forks? on the guy who brought the box.
1: No, I think we're good on the fork front, but yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you.
7: I-, I have, like, uh, 10 or 12 more of those. <laughs> well, keep, well them keep, in- keep, keep, keep them in reserve, sir. You
1: never know when the zombie apocalypse will come. All
2: right. Thanks. There you go. Wow. There's that guy.
1: All right, ladies and germs, uh, we will take caller five here. On the other side, we'll do trivia from the golden age of comics for your shot at Watchman Passes. 503 733 503 733 Trivia from the golden age of comics on the other side for Watchman Passes. More with David Walker, Scott Daly, and the greatest songs ever made. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs>
2: anything, am I? Me and the wife just have a little squabble, okay? Oh, it's not easy getting all right, you know what I mean? I mean, most people are afraid to pick up hitchhikers. I mean, you never know who you might pick up. I mean, I, I could be some crazy slime ball. I mean, a real deranged, violent psycho, you know what I mean? I mean, a guy who would rip your heart out and
5: eat it just for pleasure.
2: I'm talking about a total maniac. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Y- yeah, yeah. Why aren't we moving? Don't you want to give me a ride?
6: I'm only going about another mile. Then what the hell did you pick
5: me up for?
1: Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-970. We're Here with uh, David Walker. Coming up later on Scott Daly and Aaron Duran is actually here as well. So cool. Uh, we'll. Uh, it's a big uh, nerdality.
3: Oh God, I, I'm just already picture my eyes blazing over as you guys talk about Left for Dead.
1: Yes. By the way, which Aaron isn't supposed to be able to play by the way because he's had like you having the carpal tunnel uh, surgery or something. You know, it was, it was something where they're like be cutting his wrist open, and yet amazingly enough, when I'm on Xbox Live, I uh, I do see him on Xbox Live, and it says like I'm, I won't give out his um, I won't give out his username, but it's, you know, but it's like blah blah blah. Aaron Duran is currently online playing Left 4 Dead, which I was told wasn't really going to be possible because of the
3: uh, well, don't call him out. I, you don't want to get him in trouble with Jen.
1: I'm just saying. Uh,
3: well, I'm just saying. You know, he's playing
1: through the pain, as you will have to do in the actual zombie apocalypse.
3: As any good addict would.
1: Seriously. <laughs> Uh, here's some stuff we haven't gotten to yet. Uh, we got the uh, top five unintentionally gay horror movies. Uh, as uh, this is an article that uh, Sarah Dillon found, so we'll get to that. We have um, more from David Walker. We're going to be giving away uh, Watchmen passes, or we'll attempt to here in just a moment with trivia from the Golden Age of Comics. And then here's the thing, because I do believe, uh, in fact, I should actually, before we do anything else, let me just uh, let me just do, let me get this queued up, and then I do believe that after this. I think after we do this giveaway, I think we have one more pair, and I want, to, I want to confirm that before we do it, but I think we have one more pair after this.
3: These things are gold. I've never seen one freak out about like, more than these passes.
1: Totally, and so the final question, this is not the final question, but the final question if we end up doing that is actually, we were just talking about during the break, it's uh, it's the Kobayashi Maru of comic trivia questions. Is that it's, the one that you told us? No, 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 that's not that one. It's, okay. one that, it's one that Dave and I were talking about during the break, and he didn't actually even know it. He had to look it up. Yeah. Um, I'm embarrassed. It's, you know, what, but who would have known that? The answer is some... some Duran was some, now. Some, we'll some guy. Yeah, Aaron, probably, yeah. or some such. So uh, We
3: should have Aaron on sometime for a Stump the Geek session.
1: Did we do Oh, it was with him and Bobby early on where it was like, because the audience had difficulty telling their voices apart at one at one time. No, but
3: we had them talking, and then they'd have to guess it was either Aaron or Bobby.
1: Well, you know what we could do, actually, with this final uh, question? We could actually have the listener attempt to guess it, or they could throw it over to Aaron.
5: <gasps> Good call.
1: We could do that, actually, in, instead of this uh, this question that I've got here. So, uh, well, all right, in any event, let's... Uh, what am, Okay, so what am I doing? All right, so let's do this. Where's my uh, music? Oh, which doesn't want to... There we go. So should we do that for this question? Yeah. All right. Aaron Duran, would you please uh, join us in the studio? And now, taking the stage doing my uh, whatever that guy is from Jeopardy. This free
3: sandwich from is really good.
1: <laughs> just let me say just a little bit of a side note here. Twice today, I have seen Sarah Dillon actually jump up and down in place with excitement over free food. And that should give you a little window into the hell that is radio, by the way. <laughs> there, but for the grace of, you know, whatever. Um, very my, delicious. Sarah's in my office this morning. We were talking about something on the show. And Dave's in says, By the way, there are free um, breakfast treats in the conference room. And Sarah actually goes, ah! And then she did like a little jumping jack up and down things she goes,
3: i gotta go and she
4: vanished just now i watched her sprint upstairs
1: Was this an
3: email that went kristen out kristen bowie god bless her sent me a text message that says there's free sandwiches up here
1: and sarah again like i gotta go there's free sandwiches and she's like you know bolted for the door so excellent good for you i see you have to eat for two because i can't eat when i'm on the air yeah. so it's like you're eating for both of us here sarah don't
3: Hello. ever say that i have to eat for two ever again
1: you know, you know, by the end of the, the, the day, people are going to be like, Sarah, are you pregnant?
3: Oh, God. <laughs> no, Sarah's <I'm
5: laughs>
1: no, no. not pregnant. Hello, Aaron Duran. How are you? Hello. I am fantastic. All right. So uh, we are going to go to the uh, phones here, and we are going to take caller five. Oh, I think it's right here. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's your name, sir or madam, as the case may be?
8: Kevin.
1: Kevin, how are you today, Kevin?
8: Well, I'm looking up since, uh, since uh, Aaron's on the team.
1: You're feeling good about your chances.
8: I feel good. No, I don't I like this good. pressure.
1: All right. So caller here's
6: 1 3 and eventually 5. So I'm sorry. I I was calling you, 1. You're a I was speed
1: dialer. Three, you're and one then of I was caller five. You are don't one feed of those. Price <laughs> you're a price pig. I was just going to say <laughs> don't feed the price pig. All right. So here's the deal. Uh because you've been a power dialer uh today sir, we are going to give you the option. You may you may either guess yourself or you can throw the question over Aaron over to Aaron Duran and see if Aaron Duran knows it. Now, here's the thing, you don't get to hear the question first. Ah. Now you must choose. Oh no, wait! No, no, no! <laughs> oh, that's
3: good. That's better. You can't announce the care? No, hold on, you bastard! Yeah, but I heard you say that this is the. Oh, they co- just gonna like pansy out and be like, Aaron, like. Oh no, afraid. because then if he, because then
1: it's not a choice. Then it's like if he knows it, he says it. But if he doesn't, then whatever. Yeah, yeah but no, no, you no. said
4: this is like the Kobayashi Maru of questions. It's,
1: you realize that's a no-win scenario. I'm saying if anybody knows it, David Walker actually said. You know, he goes, well, I didn't know that. He goes, I should have known that. And I said, and I was trying to, you know, make him feel better. I go, well, come on, who would have known that? And without hesitation, he goes, Aaron Duran would have known that.
4: Uh-huh. So. Yes, but David looks up to me akin like a god. So, I mean, he just would, he would do that anyway. Oh, oh my... yes, I do. <laughs> god,
3: you guys look like kind of similar. It freaks me Let's out. Go check
4: out Outlook Portland.
1: Oh, God, that one episode. That yeah, it was an episode I have a LePort where David Walker and Aaron Duran were on at the same time, and really it was like a weird no, sort of... No, like that's like a meeting of we, the minds. I
3: wouldn't but, be able to... But but my brain could not We actually we're dressed the we're same, We're wearing
1: too. the same shirt, <laughs> Accidentally, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. It's all very unnerving. Uh, I nerve-y. hate when that happens. Yeah. All we really needed, we just needed like an Asian version right next to you, and then like for me to be in the same, and that would have been like a whole hello. We are alternate, you know, world versions of each other. All right. So, sir, uh, you must now choose. Do you wish to answer this question for Watchmen passes, or shall Aaron Duran answer on your behalf?
8: I'm gonna have to go with uh, letting Aaron take the bullet. On this you ball. knew that was coming. All right.
1: No. How much time will Aaron have to weigh this question? pick the
4: wrong data, quit sniffing glue.
3: Uh. Like, 20 seconds? All right.
1: After I give you the question, Aaron, you will have 20 seconds. All right. David Walker, by the way, is the keeper of the correct answer. I'm the keeper of the correct answer. You had it over there, didn't you? Yeah, I'll go back Oh, is this to the one
3: that we were... Is this the one,
1: we're no, no, no. It was the one we were talking about during the break? What okay.
4: is this for? Is this for Watchmen passes? This is this for Watchmen passes? Oh, this is for, like, a good
1: ride. You thought it yes. so
3: shiny when you did that.
1: This is this for Passage to Watchmen? The film adaptation of the groundbreaking and graphic Aaron's novel by I Alan Moore?
3: talk about where they have been today.
1: So... This is because we've been doing uh, trivia from the golden age of comics. We decided to end this, we did the yang to the yin. So we've been doing uh, questions about, you know, the 40s and the 50s and groundbreaking works we talked about EC comics and we talked about seduction of the innocent and so forth. We're now going go to go the we're going to go to the other end of the spectrum here. Rob Lightfield <laughs> Tom <Todd> McFarlane. Nerd. <laughs> All right, for a pair of Watchmen passes, uh, for this caller Kevin. Aaron Duran. What is The real name of the superhero
4: Aquaman, Arthur Curry.
5: Oh! Wow! Bam! Bam! Man! (laughs) Jesus!
1: (laughs) Flex! (laughs) (laughs) Feel that, Christ Almighty! (laughs) There was, like, sword from the stone. I am Excalibur! <laughs> I don't even think you had... I the second Who yeah, are now, you? you
4: aqua. I'm the fracking you... geek in the
1: sea.
3: Well, That's who I am. have some more questions.
4: Here's the thing. I am actually a staunch Aquaman defender, so my Aquaman knowledge is is long and deep, much like the great ocean that are. I have rural. to say, I'm really Frightened. stunned.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. not that I didn't think you, you would get it. I just <laughs> didn't really... <laughs> he thought he was going to have to go,
5: okay, wait a minute,
10: Aquaman, and he was going to go, well, wait a minute, is that...
5: Not that's like one of
1: those. On <laughs> that's like one of those uh, those boxing matches, uh, you know, where it's like the guy's down on the on the on the mat in like eight seconds or something. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, okay. Like like All like right. Should a, we
3: make Aaron answer one more? No. Like a I, okay, well, gonna, p-
1: I mean, maybe. But uh, uh, the be step, okay, p- sir, I'm gonna put you on hold. Wow. I'm just a little stunned, actually. All right, sir, I'm gonna put you on hold. Uh, Richie, will you get color? The,
3: like, still, you doubt the power of Aaron?
1: We should get the guy on line four. Line four is our uh, watchman Passes winner. Because here's the thing is because it, I mean certainly I didn't know and David Walker didn't know and we looked it up and we you know we found him, he was doing oh I I should have known that but
4: I mean really who would possibly and then it was like on the tip of your tongue oh, it's little yeah. freaky what man I know my I, you you come at me with DC comics and I'm going to that's my that's yeah I mean okay so please please to explain what do you mean when you're a what do you mean when everybody you say you're the staunch defender of, well, everybody of Aquaman Everybody always picks on Aquaman and he's a cool character he's he is unjustly maligned. Yeah, his power is stupid. He talks to fish, but... I talk to fish. But he's also king of the ocean. He rules 70% Nemo's of the planet. Nemo's the king of the ocean. No. no what? Isn't Nemo Did the king of
3: the ocean? Little Mermaid.
4: Hello? Greek myths? Nah, whatever. So, uh... But bitch slapped Nemo so
1: hard. What? He's done. What is the genesis of of, uh, of Aquaman? From where does he come?
4: Like in the comics or in
1: no, like life. No, I mean, like in the comics. Like, What is his deal? Is he an alien? Um, you know, they've
4: reset his his background so many times. See, that's why times. we didn't do
1: an origin question, because it changes yeah, all, all the time. Yeah, it changed all the time. Is there canon? Is there like an yeah, accepted... Yeah, the,
4: the kind of accepted general Arthur Curry Aquaman background is that his... Um, oh, see, now here's where I fail. No, his uh, mother is Atlantean, and his father was like an Arthurian legend wizard. They humped it out somehow. So and it's then, like when Bridget he watched, Bernie. But yeah, and then he washed up on shore one day and didn't know who he was, and he eventually becomes Aquaman. It's like Daryl Hannah with, uh, you know, without the scales. with shorter hair. Yeah. Wow, I, just, I still can't get past and then it. there was it, was the a time which... where his hand got eaten by piranhas, and he had a hook, and it was righteous.
5: I'm a monster!
4: He looked like Conan. I'm underwater. trying to do a little Buster Bluth there. Or whatever. What does he say? What do you I'm
1: expect? a monster! What do you yeah. expect, yeah. Mother? I'm half machine!
4: Jesus. All right. Oh, anyway, I'm going to put this in the pots and pans section. <laughs>
3: wow. So oh my creepy. God, he sounds just like him.
13: Good uh, God Almighty.
1: Hey. Uh, we don't have anywhere to go. We had a break. Uh, there's nowhere we
4: can go from here. Wow. Well done. Thank you. Jesus. I have very limited skills, and it's glad to use them once in a while.
1: I don't mind saying that I'm experiencing fear right now. Mm-hmm.
4: Good.
2: Jesus. All right.
1: Back after this, more from uh, Aaron Durant, Scott will we'll... Superman. <laughs> Kneel
6: before Aaron. <laughs> All right,
1: back after this. Aaron Durant, Scott Daly, more from David Walker, your phone calls, and more. Stay there, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Boom, boom.
5: Whack, whack, whack. Whoa, whoa.
1: it's like he didn't even hesitate you like really looked
3: perplexed
1: <laughs> it was just it was just a little astonishing even by because you with aaron you judge you judge you great on a curve you know because he is aaron peaking the city duran. story of
4: my life aaron duran
1: on a curve <laughs> you know what
4: i'm saying
5: it, it is like
1: it's like if i did it you know it's it's x layers of impressive if i know aquaman's real name um, you know, and you know, when you, it's, you know, it's less surprising when you know, like an obscure piece of comic trivia. But even, even with that sort of context, even relatively speaking, knowing that we're asking, you know, like like Aaron Durant, I just sort of like, I'm thinking, well, okay, this one he's gonna have to ponder. him. like I was picturing in your head, like when you have like your computer is searching for something, and, like a file is like, scanning and it's <laughs> scanning the drive, and then it's like, is this the document you're looking for? And but you didn't even do that. It was, you know, it was like it was on the desktop. Right. You know, Aquaman. You know, what a great i yeah. yeah, And just expect like If you'd have right asked me the
4: real name of his sidekick, I would have been in trouble. All right, that one's harder.
1: And then, of course, during the break, then it was a whole, it, it, then it just it, it reached escalating layers of nerds. And we're talking about some guy with like wings on his feet and whatnot. Yeah. Namor the Submariner. Submariner. That's <laughs> <laughs> hello, Sarah. What? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. All right, uh, and so forth. Uh, let's welcome also to the uh, Rick Emerson program from uh, GeekintheCity.com, Film Fever Radio. Whatever it's called. I don't even know anymore. Scott Dally. Hello, sir. Hello,
14: everybody. How
4: are you? I'm doing
1: all right. How are uh, you? I'm, I'm lost uh, in this
14: geek, geek masses, too. I'm sure you're Well, yeah, I can know. So, you guys were, because
1: awesome. uh, uh, and Fatboy from Rock 101 UFO. they were doing the March for the Keen Act. Yeah, yep, they were. Very cool. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It was bad. Uh, they probably had like 40 people show up. It was In, it was a in good like full on, like, yeah, you know, like with the signs and the uh, and
4: everything. Yep. Yeah, signs. I've that seen like anti war. Oh, it's in Oh, it's in Richie, Summon Richie. Well, we'll, 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 we'll yeah. get it later. But
1: uh, so Richie,
4: don't come in. We're
1: we're non we're unsummoning it. Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll get a photo of it later. Um. So the but the Keen act in Watchmen is the this is the act that uh, calls for the whether you registering of all
4: superheroes. It's the flat out banning of superheroes. Just banning. not just registering. It's like
1: the banning of superheroes. Yeah.
4: There's some. I mean, if anyone out. I mean, the book's 25 years old now. So, but I still don't want to. There might be some people who know right, nothing probably. about it, but. Yeah, it bans them. There's a few that work for the man, and like they wouldn't be affected by the King Act, I guess. But right, yeah. it, and, it bans them all. Yeah, and so I've read the. I mean,
1: I don't think anybody here has
4: seen the Watchmen movie yet, have we? No,
1: I mean, it's just because of the critic screening, and that's the one we're giving away passage. to. That's Monday, and I know there's some advanced reviews that are kind of cropped up online, and I and it's like and I and I've you know it's not like I'm a, a, that knowledge about it. I've read the book a couple times, and then. I've read some of the reviews because it doesn't really matter to me. It's not a movie that I'm so emotional. I am not so invested in it that it's going to be ruined if it's it's if something about it is spoiled. So I already know kind of yeah. some of the things that have been changed and, and whatever. But, I mean, the general consensus is that it looks beautiful because it's what's-his-name. Uh, Snyder Zach did Snyder. Uh, Snyder. 300, right? Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, I guess that has a lot of that same sort of hyper-real but at the same time... uh very almost painted
4: look yeah, occasionally which, which I'm cool with I mean cuz he's trying to bring a comic book to life right so i mean you know you got to give some you got to allow for some of that you know extra slow motion cuz he's right. trying to capture you know what is you know what is a 2D medium on a you know 3D work not right. the film 3D but you
14: know filming it right. and and not in the same style that Joel Schumacher was trying to bring a combo back to life <laughs> he's actually going to respect the medium and respect yeah. the story and stuff and well because there's really –
1: well. and there's different ways to to handle that because I mean, and sometimes it's like people think that if you just take that sort of visual style of just the palette and the production elements that that's enough to make it work. And I think it's the that spirit movie, which is apparently such a <laughs> big load. Uh, you know, I mean, I think I read Bobby's review, and Bobby was just—I forget what he said, but it was basically that he was saying he was like just being kicked in the eye for like two hours. You know, I mean, yeah, that's more I couldn't or less what review it. Review it. R- really? Like uh, you just yeah. couldn't bring yourself to type that. were like just
4: pounding out one letter after yeah, another. And I, gave mean, up. I, I gave out some tidbits to somebody, but I didn't review. I couldn't review it. Every time I started to try to review it, I got angry, and I couldn't. So you, see you see it? saw it. Oh God, yes. Uh, I, was it the only time? I was at a critic screening? It Was the only time I've seen a critic leave in the middle of a screening?
1: <laughs> Just because it was so
10: irredeemably it was so awful, terrible. Yeah, I didn't even go see it. I
4: I refused. I was I I took I took the moral high ground. Yeah, and refused.
1: I, I saw, will not be a party to this. I saw um,
4: critics that are normally very soft-spoken and never raise their voice. Their voice that uh, when the credits rolled, he stood up and screamed "F this F" and stormed <laughs>
1: out. <laughs> that is
4: fantastic. This guy is soft spoken. Doesn't and yeah. That is that's how <laughs> that's wonderful. No. Actually, no. No. Right. So, the, so so there was a better show before
10: than the actual movie itself. Uh, I guess uh, <laughs>
1: Don Taylor apparently walked out of Friday the Thirteenth not because she was like she just I think you know I asked her I said what well, was it like I, mean, I knew she wasn't offended offended but I said well like it was it just like. Was it just ineptly done to the point that it just offended your sensibilities? Yes. It was, and she actually just goes, you no, know, you know, she's like, at a certain point, like, I looked at my watch, and I thought, i got better things to do with the, the next 45 minutes of my life. <laughs> so, like, I could, you know, it's like I could be going to, like, uh, you know, I could be going to the store or something. So, and I still haven't seen the new Friday the 13th. Which... I'm kind of indifferent to Like, I don't really care that they're remaking it. DVD. If you got to see it, wait for DVD. Yeah, that's my thing. I just, I have no... Or, um, or rent it off that Pirate Bay website. <laughs> I have no... Yeah, I just have no investment in it at all, one way or the other. Not unlike the... Um, oh, I don't know, that never-ending story remake that they're going to be... Uh, that they're nah. going to be cranking out.
3: Yeah. 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 It's
1: in your there. face.
2: Yes.
3: Sarah,
4: now you will know our pain.
1: The
3: raping of my childhood. Your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Right the now, they're done. just
1: holding it down. Now, then they're going to gag it. Now, the
4: actual raping will probably begin, I would say... As soon
1: as when when cl- Miley
3: Cyrus plays Jem. I was just going to say Jem. Oh, no.
4: I was going to say when Miley Cyrus plays Sarah in the new Labyrinth. Yeah. So, really, are they remaking really Labyrinth? No, no, but look at the faces. She just get, whoa, I have never seen that much anger on her. <laughs> no. no, but it's going to happen. Well, if NeverEnding Story does well, they're going to mind...
5: Their,
3: You're next.
4: No, mm-hmm.
1: I, I, I'm
3: a partial to NeverEnding Story Part 2 with Jonathan Brandis in it.
1: You're partial to everything with Jonathan Brandis in it oh, I
3: miss him. and also I, uh,
4: you were that was probably the first time that phrase has ever been uttered in the history of film <laughs> I'm
1: more of a Jonathan Brandis uh, enthusiast than I am a, a Neverending story enthusiast. yeah, I read the article uh, last night about remaking the Neverending never Ending story, which is just and at a certain point you start to sound like the old guy where you're like, "What's with all the remakes but at a certain point, then you
3: realize that we are the old guys now. but,
1: but also a, like you got it like I know it's not like they didn't uh, not like I have this 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 idea that in the past everything was artistic and I mean there was Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein so it's not like it's not like pure things weren't <laughs> diluted and and like soiled like way back then you know I mean that stuff happened uh, but you know I mean it's it's just like now it seems like we could be Spending, what with the troubled economy and all, we could be saving our money to remake things that were bad, and that maybe should be given another shot. Wait,
4: you're not suggesting that Abbott and Cuthelmia Frankenstein was bad. I'm right not
1: or. saying it was bad, but I'm saying, you know back then there was some fanboy who was like, I can't believe they're taking such a scary movie property and they're gonna dilute it down to the level of slapstick. I find it unacceptable, you know. And then there was like some other guy, you know, like wearing like a beanie and button shoes. His <laughs> name know. was Ed Wood, and he yeah. tried to make him seriously. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that's what I'm saying. It, it's not like it's a recent. Like people, people sort of like try to lay it at the feet of George Lucas or Spielberg. And there were franchises way back when. Franchises are, are old. But they've been around for. Almost since the beginning. Of yeah, film, and, and really. yeah. you know what? And there were probably people who said Bride of Frankenstein was a bad idea. And then, of course, it turns out to be a masterpiece. The best one, yeah. yeah. But there were probably people who said, like, oh, but the original was great. Why do you have to, you know, risk ruining it?
4: Um, Although I had a genius idea now. Hmm. Kevin Smith should be all over this. There should be like Jay and Silent Bob meet Freddy. Jay and Silent Bob meet Jason. Jay and okay. Silent Bob meet Mike Myers. That is a pretty great idea. Oh, you
10: know, yeah. I, 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 it's better than Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, nothing is better than Ernest Scared Stupid. All right. Or
10: better yet, how about Jay and Silent Bob
1: meet Medea? Now,
10: there's oh. something
1: I would pay to We're not see. Pause for just one moment here. <laughs> talk to
3: one of our friends. And
1: here's the thing: I would look like a like a big poser if I tried to sort of uh, do this, you know, like, you know, if I tried to kind of freestyle all this information myself. So, Sarah, uh, with whom are we going to talk? We're going to talk moment?
3: to Timber Joe, the mascot for uh, the Tim- the Portland Timbers. The... I
1: know you're an enthusiast, a fan, a supporter.
3: The Portland Football League, yeah, and um, they're actually having a rally tomorrow uh to bring major league soccer to portland and so i was just gonna have him on for a second time right. for that. He's, like the people who go to timbers games like he's Joey, cool yeah he's cool and he's totally a celebrity to me i mean he's there he's down there you know wielding his chainsaw and like standing on things just being kooky wearing a hard hat he's he's an awesome dude well
1: let's welcome now to the uh rick emerson uh radio program timber joe hello sir
8: hey how you doing rick
1: i am fantastic how's your day my friend
8: it's, uh, it's pretty slow, actually. It started out nice, it's all cloudy now, so, just hanging out in the office. Oh, you that's
1: know? a bummer, cause I'm riding my bike. When I couldn't figure out, I mean, not to bog down to talk about the weather for a second, but I couldn't figure out, like, they were going to snow, and then that thing where I woke up, and it looked like there might have been snow, but maybe it was just, a, like, a heavy frost, so mm. I can't quite tell if we're still going to get, like, socked with it as soon as we turn, you know, as soon as we turn our heads, or if it's kind of done, but... Um,
8: no, I, I think it just fooled you this morning. Everybody wore T-shirts, and... lulling doll. us in. You're mm. going to have to have a coat.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, I, I will say, you, uh, Sarah totally nailed it, which you said, that the people, I mean, the Timbers people fans, and are really, like, there's no casual... Uh, Enthusiasts. I mean, they're really just uh, fanatics about it. Uh, Oh, yeah, nuts. And Portland, I mean, it's like, what is, so what is the, I mean, did, has it always, has that kind of stuff always had such a strong presence in Portland, or is it kind of a recent phenomenon?
3: Oh, no.
8: No, I think, I think it's been around for quite a while. These are people who really want to be a part of something, and the Timbers is what it is,
3: and it's fun to, um, you know, to be like part of that kind of community. And also, Thirsty Thursdays are really rad.
8: <laughs> oh yeah, everybody's got a friend there, you know. Mhm. So, uh, so.
3: Yeah. So there's. So Joey, what do you have about the rally tomorrow? Tomorrow we're meeting at the
8: Salmon Street fountain at 1:30. Um, hopefully it's warm out. We can run through the fountain, and then we're going to march up to City Hall and sing some songs and make some noise and kind of bring some attention to people. Uh, want to get the major league soccer here in Portland.
3: Because speaking of the poor economic times, Rick Emerson, what yes. better way than to bring Major League Soccer to Portland, therefore, you know, creating a better economy by, you know, having people participate and giving money back to the city. Yes.
8: Uh, it's great. And you know it's it's not gonna cost the city a whole lot. It's it's actually a big investment for us, so
3: It'll do really good things for the city if it all goes through.
1: So that is happening tomorrow, Saturday at 1.30. So, ladies,
3: lots of really, really hot boys who like soccer, who are going to be wearing Timbers Army scarves, are going to be there um, probably on their bikes and all, like, tattooed and, you know, have, like, their little mutton chops and everything. And go. hot girls, too. And hot girls. Go for the eye candy, people.
1: And so yeah. if uh, if people want to go there, they want to see it, they want to be part of it, is there, like, a, a website, or is there where can people find out more about it?
3: Well, there's a, uh,
8: MLS2PDX.com. And there's also a Facebook page, uh, Major League Soccer to Portland. And you can go on the Timbers website as well. Not the Timbers website, but Soccer City USA and, and find out more about it too. All right. and, and
3: please pleased I- to be telling me, my friend, are you going to be wielding your chainsaw tomorrow?
8: You know, it was to, kind of going to be a secret, but I think it will be there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, please
1: pleased to explain the chainsaw wielding because I don't really understand. Okay, time, I mean, they're Timbers, I know. but, yeah, I mean, it's but just,
3: So so Joe is the mascot for the Portland right. Timbers uh, who who has replaced Timber Jim. Um, timber and every time, they get, uh, every time they get a goal, there's a big log that's wheeled out. And every time there's a goal, like, um, you'd saw a piece of the log to represent the, the goals that right. they scored. And then they're all laid out in front of the log. And then, like, every, at the end of the game, the player who scores the goal will pick up the piece of wood, you know, and walk and you know pick up their goal, basically, and walk by. It's really cool. And then he runs around like a madman jumping on things with an active chainsaw. Like standing, like climbing on things and stuff. It's, I mean, it's, it's great.
1: Entertaining. It, it sounds fantastic. It just almost sounds made up. Like it sounds like a, it sounds like a festivist thing almost that you're sort of just creating on the fly. And then he saws off a piece of a log, and you will hold the piece of the log aloft, and you will walk past the crowd, and they will throw frozen peas. All right. Uh, all right. So MLS to PDX dot com uh, is the website. Also, there's a Facebook page uh, for the Portland Timbers, and it is happening tomorrow. All right. Yes. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, best of luck with the turnout, sir.
8: Thank you so much, and Sarah. We'll see you there. And uh, Rick, you're more than welcome to come out.
1: All right. Thank you, my I'll friend. See you tomorrow. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us. There you go. All right.
3: Oh, it's so cool All to right. talk to. I get nervous around him.
1: See, and I, I guess I'm glad that I'm, like, not sort of, you know, into it the same way that you are, because then mm. then at least one of us is like, you can be nervous, and I can sort of be the nothing No, i say about, like,
3: Angelo sometimes, just, like, chilling and having a beer. I'm like, oh, hi. Hi, Joey. Hey, okay. Hi. Hi. Uh, uh, I, don't know, uh, I
4: don't know what's going on. Remember that time when you played with a chainsaw? <laughs> it was, was, it was awesome. awesome. It was really cool. <laughs> All
1: right. Uh, let's quickly do this. Let's go around the room uh, and uh, answer a question that we were talking about during the break. We never really uh, got to this. We were talking about Aaron and his freakish ability to answer the Aquaman trivia question, which I thought was, like... I thought it was like an Alpha Bravo Foxtrot, like, opening the launch code thing that, like, you would... It was like the absolute nuclear option for trivia questions. Sarah Dillon, uh, your two dream uh, Jeopardy questions. If you're on Jeopardy tomorrow and Alex Trebek says you can pick two of the categories. Your two dream Jeopardy questions. Sarah Dillon.
3: I would go... um little history of... Well, I'll just pick one of my favorite bands. Of, like, Face to Face.
1: Face to Face, the band. Pastry. And
3: I know everything in the world, and this is embarrassing, and I'm going to regret admitting this. I know everything about Sex in the City. The no. movie, the show. I've seen all of them hundreds of times. I own I own the Bible. I can answer any question about that. Excellent. Them. Good for you. Treat. got published at
4: Include Clue Newells because of them?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That's true. David Walker, your two Dream Jeopardy questions.
3: Uh, well, I, 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 could,
10: I feel comfortable with almost anything that had to do with film. But if you want to get specific... Uh, I could I could totally nail anything that has to do with black exploitation films, and I could also probably nail anything with either spaghetti westerns or probably kung fu movies.
14: Cool. All right, Scott Dally. Uh Again, film, but to narrow it down, I'd probably say David Lynch uh, or <gasps> the David Lynch universe. Twin Peaks. All right, Twin Peaks, like. yeah, okay. and also music. I, I'm I've I know I've got tons of music knowledge. You can't just head. say music because okay. you say my
1: dream. Then okay, you're house. all
14: right, then oh yeah, yeah, it's true. Okay, 80s music. You would uh, I would say. Duran. 80s alternative pop, perhaps. Yeah, alternative pop, indie pop, that kind of stuff. All yeah. right,
4: Aaron Duran, your two dream Jeopardy questions. Um, anything from Star Trek: Next Generation. Yeah. Okay. And anything Batman. All right, doesn't matter, film, comic, show.
3: Or Aquaman. See, be,
1: see, when you say that. <laughs> see, I can tell when I can tell when you're taunting.
4: I can I'm not hunting. You know it's right there. It's that I'm very proud. No. Batman That's, is my, is you know my what it dog. Is? This is like this is like verbal geek plumage. It's a whole lot of like
1: <laughs> like unfurling at it. Anything Batman. Film, animated, book, musical, God. Oh yeah. Interpretive dance anything. Oh, and look at the
4: chick's frock to me.
1: I'm just, that's a challenge. I can totally hear that you are challenging some guy out there. You know what,
4: some tool is going to come with me like the 1930s serial where it was an Irishman playing Bruce Wayne. Well, you better be careful when you say anything. Driving like a student basically. And that's why I
1: didn't
10: say Barney Miller because I didn't want to seem like that big of a dork. Yeah, we know everything about Barney
1: Miller. I have to say, and look, I can pretty much. My, Awesome. Just the tiniest little uh, the incremental uh, uh, bit of geek cred for myself. We were trying to come up with the final question for Watchmen Passes before we settled on the Aquaman thing. And David's question that he brought, which we were almost going to go with, is how, uh, how many actors have played Batman in a non-animated role? In other words, not counting animated uh, depictions, how many actors have played Batman? And he had the answer, and then I was all, Batman dead end. You know, and then so he hadn't considered that. But so, would you count that? Because
4: it didn't go to theater. I would say you can't count it. But that's,
1: that's <laughs> why we didn't use it is because it's like it, we couldn't come up with any sort of definitive ruling on it. And then it just leads to chaos and discord and people, you know, challenging you on it. So, all right. Can't what really about count you, you Rick? What, Comer- what are your... Two? Oh, uh, for me, uh, let's say my two dream Jeopardy! categories would be the original Twilight Zone series. Twilight Zone, the original series. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do another TV show. Uh, so I would say the original Twilight Zone... Kid. And probably not Kiss. Probably Led Zeppelin. Huh. Zeppelin or Kiss? Yeah, probably. I'm, I'm a huge Kiss fan. I'm yeah. a massive Kiss fan. But I probably know more about Zeppelin. Uh, I mean, in terms of like the, in terms of extra music knowledge. Like, I mean, I know a lot about Kiss, and I know a lot about the organization and the history. But in terms of Zeppelin. I mean, I know, I know, like, all kinds of weird crap about, like, where they were born and when they were born and, like, the original names of the band and blah, 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 blah. And how Robert Plant was in a band called Hobbs Tweedle. And it's all just very, you know, so <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, so I'm saying Led Zeppelin to the original Twilight Zone and so forth. Uh, so I'm just going to ask this because Sarah and I get tired of trying to figure it out. We're going to move on from the uh, the awards that which, which were held last Saturday which were fantastic by the way. Thank you. We had a lot, of, had fun. That was
3: a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks.
1: So uh, the boogies were last Saturday it was yes. a great time and a uh, big turnout so congratulations Thank on you. that. So Film Fever Radio is that the name of the podcast but it's under the Geek in the City umbrella? Uh, what is up with that?
4: We we call it Geek in the City Radio and essentially Film Fever is just a big segment of it. And the main reason why we call it Geek in the City Radio now is that we got tired of trying to get interviews from non-movie people. Right. Because comics and games and so many things are influencing film now that we would try to get like a comic writer or a game designer or somebody to be on the show and their agent or their manager would say like, well, you guys are called film, TV, radio, This right. guy does comics. Right. That right. was the main reason why is we got tired of losing out on stuff.
14: Okay. Yeah, another reason why is because the, the shows that we found were the most popular shows where we didn't really review a film or talk about film in general, we kind of, broaden our horizons a little bit, going to games. So you want to limit yourself. Exactly. So Geek in the City kind of expands that a little bit. And Fever is slowly kind of just being... Phased out, and you know, uh, but but the shows are still available at geekinthecity.com under the Film Fever banner, yeah. And uh, film dot com is still. It's cool
4: because now well. we get to do like two toy reviews, and you know, get like toy swag to review and game reviews and Actually, stuff like that.
14: DVDs. You know? uh, speaking yeah. of which, our good friend Dan Clark, uh,
1: who I know contributes to uh, to the site occasionally, yes. sent me a thing yesterday about how they're going to make a Dexter action figure holding mm-hmm. a bag full of severed limbs. Sweet, just totally fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, Dan's
14: our Dan's our official toy correspondent on yeah. the
1: show. So, um, so what is uh, what is new with Geek in the City and uh, and as part of a geek.
14: I don't City know. I wasn't right there for the last show. <laughs> uh, the show this week, we talked about, uh, you know, we kind of recapped the Booyah Awards. We didn't record the Booyah Awards this year like we said we were going to, but we did because we figured, you know, <coughs> Oh
5: God, you I'm sorry. you
14: got to gotta be there. So. Right. But we talked about the, the, the winners, the quote winners, who won the coveted Shia figures, mm-hmm. which is our, our trophy. And, uh, and a box. <laughs> by the <laughs> way, box. don't take this the wrong way. Mine's in the trunk of my car. So I just put it there That's, and I've forgotten okay. I forgot
1: about Yes. Know.
2: Fine. Um, oh, no,
1: you're not coveting your Shia LaBeouf <laughs> action video. action yeah. Shia holding a snake. And I was like, i got to do something with this. Put it in the trunk. I'll get that later. Oh, Bill. No, no, we'll no. get that later. No, no,
14: yeah, no. and this week we, also, we, we do a little more Watchmen talk. Uh, Jason Crump from Vanish Twin is on with us to do a little Watchmen talk. Uh, we have uh, Mailman Chris with some game news. Uh, mm-hmm. Resident Evil 5, I believe, talks about it a little yeah.
1: bit. And, and, uh, and, by the way, there is a zombie-killing game coming out for the Wii
4: House of the Dead Overkill. It's already out. Is it out now?
14: It's already out of a
1: week,
4: so I don't know, but it's uh, like a 70s grindhouse film. The the game actually has film grain. It looks badass. Yeah. I have to just be because everybody,
1: Sarah, everybody says about Left for Dead.
3: What? oh, here we go. That the great thing about Left Wait. For... I had found a music bed that was 90 seconds that <laughs> i was gonna...
1: Let me just find the zombie bed instead. Hold on okay, a I'm going to time it. Uh, let's you see. You need the gonk. No, uh, let's see. I got the zombie bed. Hold on. All right. There we go. Um So, you know, the thing about Left 4 Dead is the great innovation, one of them anyway, is the fact that it's positioned that you're playing a character in a zombie film. Yeah. Uh, You're not just playing a character in a zombie game. It is a zombie movie. And I guess... I saw the screenshots for House of the Dead Overkill, and yeah, it looks it looks like you are watching a beat-up old zombie film. It's got the grain, the
14: scratches, the and everything.
4: it allows you to play Woo style. You can use both remotes to go John Wu on it. Yeah. Well, there's a, awesome. g-
14: there's a game that Chris reviews in the show this week. I can't remember the name of the game, but if you, you are essentially two Japanese girls in bikinis killing zombies.
5: Oh, and,
1: uh, and um, are you sure there's are zombies, not vampires? Because of that lesbian vampire killer. No, that's a movie. No, that's no, lesbian, a movie. lesbian vampire slayer. Yes. Lesbian vampire slayer. Players. But
14: with this game, the more blood you get on you, the stronger you become. So the yeah. more zombie blood you that have, is hot. yeah, it's pretty badass. So, All right.
4: yeah, no, I got the demo of the House of the Dead one, and the, and the best part was 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 blowing away the zombie stripper that was on the pole. She's like,
14: rah, pow, blew
1: right it off, <laughs> All right. uh, and so forth. And uh, <laughs> by the way, I, w- I will say that the, that Laura and I went on uh, Xbox Live the other night. She and I were going to be uh, playing a little Left for Dead, and it announced that hey, Geek in the City is currently playing yeah. Left for Dead, and I have so. picked a
4: character. I have locked in with a character. Who do you play? Lewis, good for you. Yeah, right. and, and inclusive. this yeah.
14: weekend, I'm buying it. I'm buying the 360. Buying the whole pack. You're gonna get it, like for dead. Yep. All right. I'm acting straight. And you still have five seconds.
3: Uh in the head. look for dead rules.
1: I killed the witch with one shot. Bam! All right. Well done.
5: That was beautiful, you guys. All right.
1: Let's take a break here. We'll come back. On the other side, we'll do more news with David Walker. Like us at 3. Phil Hendry Show at 7. I'm sorry. I'm doing it backward. Uh, Like us at 3. Mike O'Mara at uh, 7. The Phil Hendry Show at 11 p.m. Don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Uh, Right here. You stay there. All
13: right now. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. All right. Well,
10: since we haven't done anything that's really disturbing and disgusting to people, I think we should move on to a corpse watch here.
1: Huh? Ladies and gentlemen, here's your corpse watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson program. I'm
6: digging a phone. I'm digging up phone.
1: Walker with your corpse watch.
10: All right, this comes to us out of Cincinnati. That's in Ohio, in case you didn't know. On many nights over 16 years, Kenneth Douglas engaged in his own personal macabre workplace party. He often brought drugs or alcohol to work and sometimes had sex with women. All the all three of these women were dead. Uh, Hamilton County uh, Prosecutor uh, Joe Dieter says Thursday. Dieter? Yes. Never mind. Dieters? Uh, Yes. uh, Uh, apparently Douglas worked for a funeral. He was a night attendant at the Hamilton County Morgue. Anyone who seeks out that job and keeps it for multiple years is immediately suspect. Yeah, see, he's, uh, Douglas has got some problems. Actually, he's in jail right now. Douglas, 55 of Westwood, already is serving a prison sentence after he pleaded guilty last year to abuse of a corpse. He admitted he had had sex with the nearly deep beheaded body of a oh, murder victim come on. in
1: 1982. Good God Almighty! <laughs> there you go. That's like that story we had about those freakish kids in Wisconsin that all looked like a weird, emaciated Damien Eccles and oh, they were they like, dug up that girl. Well, because they saw her obituary and she was all, she's hot. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, come on, let's go check it out. And then you know, and it was like, and it was like one guy, and then the other two guys were twin brothers, which is totally, that's a, that's a whole weird thing going on, like. Can we all agree that anything, anything that two guys do is exponentially creepier if they're twin brothers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's just something mm-hmm. weird about that. Like anything that twin brothers are engaged in that's that's creepy becomes like creepy by effect. It's like we, we have that thing about the teacher who was having one of the kids shave him with an electric razor, and but, which is like, I guess it's okay. Like it was in a class, and like there wasn't any things sexual. It's not okay. And, well, but I'm saying like, I'm saying like, like none of them like it was. A, it was during the day they were all dressed like there was no there was no weird touching or anything. He was having like the kid shave him with an electric razor, which is weird, but doesn't seem perverse until until he ends it by saying Don't tell anyone. <laughs> and like that's immediately where you go like you are effed. All right, there you go. There's your corpse watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson radio program for the love of sweet holy cow.
6: I'm
1: By the way, I'll read this one because it's uh, Walker-related. Our friend Keelan says, a quick request. Can you please make sure that when the magic shave arrives that you have David Walker in the studio when you do it? Uh, Second, I'll be sending you a copy of Universal Remote. You may hate this movie, but I think it has some moments. Please just suffer through the interracial hillbilly buddies during the first five minutes. (laughs) So, done and done, sir. Really? How many nights have
4: ended with... You just have to make it through the interracial hillbilly brothers. No, I mean, or
1: the first five minutes.
4: Yeah. Honey, <laughs> just
1: make it for the first five minutes. Yeah. It's all uh, after that. Everything's a lot easier. Yeah, eventually you go numb. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, well, let's do one more here, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll give uh, uh, we'll find out, uh, again, what's going to go on with you guys, and we'll take a break here. So, David Walker? All right. Well, this is uh, news just breaking out of the good state
10: of Louisiana, where Bobby Jindal is the governor. It turns out that Bobby, who gave his speech Tuesday rebuttal to President Obama's uh, whole speech about, you know, the the economy, and in in doing so made himself out to be a complete moron, turns out he's also a liar now, too. Jindal made reference to uh, an, an experience that he had during Katrina, where he was standing shoulder to shoulder with a local sheriff who was battling government red tape, trying to rescue stranded victims. Well, it turns out Jindal wasn't actually there at the time. Oh, that's He unfortunate. heard the story several days later mm-hmm. and, uh. Became somehow, his own? Yeah, conveniently forgot that he wasn't there. And, you know, and, and when I stop and think about this, I, sometimes I forget what I'm doing where I was. Right. You know, when I said something, you know, I'll say, hey, Rick, forgive me if I've said this before, but. I think I would remember pretty much everything I, I said or did. Aaron, Hurricane Katrina. I mean, I remember where I was in the last earthquake they had down in uh, Northridge, California, because I was in Northridge, California when it happened.
1: Well, this is like that thing of uh, where. I forget exactly what it was because I get them all confused in my head. But where Reagan was, you know, Reagan was either on the stump somewhere and he was talking about. And I met a young boy in a hospital, and that boy said to me, "You've got to keep fighting against evil because I didn't lose this leg for you to give up or whatever." Yeah. And it turns out that it's like a scene from some movie that Reagan shot back in like 1954. (laughs) Yeah. And they showed it on the news, and I remember like nobody cared. Like my parents didn't care. Sam Donaldson's going. Here's Ronald Reagan speaking in a hospital, claiming, you know, you're all, you know, speaking, claiming he did this in a hospital. Here's Ronald Reagan giving this speech in a movie 55 years ago, and my dad is like, well, you know, it's a good story anyway. I'm glad he told it. And then it's like, opened a beard, didn't care at all. So, Well, it's because
14: it's Reagan. He's untouchable. Well, that's they the, they you know. love him. He's like their Messiah. You know, yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> no. If
10: you don't have anything good to say about somebody, don't say anything at all, he's dead. Good. All
1: right. <laughs> David Walker,
14: ladies wow. and gentlemen. Uh,
1: Aaron Duran, Scott Daly. It is geekinthecity.com. Yes. Uh, you guys are going to be at the Watchmen screening on Monday?
4: Absolutely.
1: Uh, all right. Couldn't
14: keep us away, my friend. And yeah. when
1: will your review be posted? Is it like embargoed, or what is the deal with that?
4: You know, we never receive an official embargo, so I'll... Try to just bang review out tonight that night, yeah. and hopefully it'll be up by Tuesday. Hey, they don't so.
14: say stop; that's an implied keep going. Pretty
4: much, if we don't get told no, we're going to keep going with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right well, so. we
14: got the invite for the for the for the screening. It was there was no, and please hold review. So yeah. that's good for well, us. Well, because so. I
4: mean they're kind of
1: already sort of popping up everywhere. So. Yeah,
14: they're starting to. They, yeah, it, you know it's yeah the the levees broke
4: now as it were. Yeah. All right. So would so you yeah.
1: like to impress us with one more Aquaman fact before you go, you bastard?
4: What do you want to
1: know? I no, you just pull something, you know, throw them out.
4: I don't know. Well, his sidekick was one of the founding members of the Teen Titans. Lad, who eventually became Tempest. All right. He's Aqualad. Eric
1: Duran, ladies and gentlemen. lad. yeah, Daly.
4: Aqualad. Sidekicks had lame names back in the day. Mm-hmm. Speedy oh, like. Aqualad. Aquaman. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> back, back after Man. this, it's the Rick Man. Emerson
1: radio program. Stay right there. We will continue Around the Corner. Hey, Richie, will you uh, will you screen caller, uh, what is it, line two there and see what that's all about? I just I want to make sure it's not like a holdover from, like, ah, I'm looking for the Watchmen. All right. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson show. Uh, don't forget, coming up next is Tom Likas. We are doing uh, the best of Tom Lekas. <clears throat> that is today, uh, followed by. Michael Mayer show at seven, Phil Hendry at eleven. Coming up uh, Sunday night, Sarah Dillon.
3: Yes, uh, the punk show is coming up on Sunday night. Uh, Lisa Wood and I co-host it together, and it's from seven to nine on Rock 101 KUFO. Um, yeah, feel free to send me requests, and we're going to be torturing you with our music case.
1: Excellent. All right, and, uh, and I guess got this. It uh, is a pretty righteous show.
3: Thanks. I, yeah, I'm really proud of it, and I think it's a really good show as well.
1: Uh, let's see, and then, I'm going to see if I can um, if I can actually get this list really quickly from uh, from the InterTron, uh, because it's we printed it out. Uh, And it, let's see, we printed it out and then it wasn't actually there. Like, it didn't actually print all the way. And it was this list of the uh, top five unintentionally gay horror films. And the only one I think that actually, it's one of those... It's one of those articles they've decided to put on seventeen different pages to increase their page views, which of course I just never read. By the oh, way, this is yeah, so, so annoying. Yes. I get yeah. like two pages and I'm like, yeah, yeah, forget- yeah. Forget it. Buddy. I just wait for some guy in the I wait for some guy in the talk back to just take it and strip it and put the text in as a comment. Yeah. <laughs> and there's always a guy who's like, I will do it, and he you know he goes and he gathers the article and he just posts it. All right, here we go. Uh, let me just, uh, and then we'll do a little high concept here if we have time, and I think we will. Where's my uh, high concept music? Oh, this is me. There we go. Alright, so I'll just get to this article real quickly. We got, what, like eight minutes? Something like that, sir? Mm-hmm. Alright. Let's see. Guns number. F- your face. <laughs>
5: Stop it.
1: Uh, we have here in the studio with us Aaron Geek in the City Duran and David Walker from com with Z's, also the David Walker site.com. Top five unintentionally gay horror films. Uh, number five from 1987, The Lost Boys.
3: So yeah. very, very beautifully gay. That was
10: intentionally gay. Totally the one that's That was, I mean, that's um, that was Joel Schumacher.
3: I still I believe.
1: <laughs> wow.
10: Um,
3: didn't in that movie, didn't he have a picture of a greased up man in his yes, bedroom? Yes, he did. Yeah, no,
1: that's yeah, the, we, we noted that. Yeah. 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 I think we were talking about that last year because I hadn't seen The Lost Boys forever. And I was watching The Lost Boys and it's, and what's his name? Corey Ham is in his bedroom and he shuts the door and there's like, like a hot, greased-up dude wearing a towel or something. That's yeah. the poster on the back of his door. Which but, but it's your grandfather's house, right? And that's the thing. But it's Corey Haim's bedroom. So I mean, it's not not like Rick Emerson cares.
4: Uh, you know, have whatever. You ever, have you ever seen the un, the stuff they wanted to shoot for the original ending?
1: No, but before before we get to that, though, let me just ask. Like, so is it that the is it that the poster of the uh, greased-up like hot dude in the towel? Is it supposed to be the grandfather's, who is obviously Hunter Thompson? Is it supposed to be Corey Haim's? And why did nobody ever notice that back in 1987? Why did it take until 2008
10: for us to figure that out? Well, because how old were you back in 1987? And, and, and it didn't well, I was seem
1: like a... It didn't seem gay back then, did Yeah, but it? I mean, don't you think somebody would have noticed? Like maybe somebody who
4: wasn't 14? Well, did you have like posters of, you know, big hair bands in your bedroom of the day? Yeah, but that
1: big hair band is so different the than a dude that and, like, howls, <laughs> like, look at my six-pack. I mean, again, I don't care. It's just odd that that movie's been out there for like 20 years and no one noticed it until last year. Like, wait a minute you know where yeah. suddenly it seemed a little all right uh let's see uh top 5 most unintentionally
4: gay horror films number 4 the covenant
1: which i don't know no, don't bother that, yeah. it's, the terrible.
5: Covenant?
4: it's a bunch of Abercrombie and finch models uh pretending to be like witches and and you know soaping each other oh, down so
3: doesn't even entertaining like nev or no. no. that or something like that
4: no but it's no, yeah it's a it's a it's yeah you know what? it's the craft what with dudes oh so, uh, okay. craft.
10: So it's, oh, when they say unintentionally gay, it's got to be God. I own the craft. Uh, yes. Was there ever so. a craft TV
4: series? Well, I, no, it was Charmed, but they I mean, used Charm. They yeah, used I the mean... song from the soundtrack. And... Whoa. What? Mm-hmm. I'm going to shut up. They yeah, totally did. They did. The cover uh, and, of How I, the, Soon is now. No, <laughs> the, the person that I used to live with was a huge Charmed fan. Yeah. So, that's a chick thing.
1: Uh, let's see. Uh, top five unintentionally gay for, uh, horror films. Number three, The Forsaken. Uh, no. Which I don't know. No, I've seen. It's, not gay. That. it's I mean, it's it's
10: no more so than like Joyride. <gasps> oh, you just wrote down what was what? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> number two.
5: Uh,
1: we have uh, we have number uh, two. Uh, Jeepers Creepers
4: Part Two.
10: <laughs> yeah, which would be would probably be number one on my list because that was like no, but that's not unintentionally gay either because that's that yeah. uh, that child molester guy made it. Oh yeah,
1: that's not the uh that's not the, the the guy that uh, that made powder. Yeah.
10: It's him. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's him. And it's gayer than powder, dude. It is <laughs> it like is powder so... powder is very gay. Like you know, like seriously Hella I gay. Fish creepers too, and at one point you're you get that uncomfortable feeling like you're in the mind of like a gay pedophile. And like, oh, it just creeps me out. I mean, you just I hated that movie.
1: You know, it's, it is sort of interesting that that guy continues to get work. Yeah, I mean, everybody can make all the like the Roman Polanski jokes they want or whatever. But I mean, this is a different era. And when the, it came out that the guy who made Powder had uh, a bit of a past, and then somebody was like, no, 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 it's you know, he's still our guy. Have him sign this contract. I mean, that just seems yeah. strange. And, and at least Roman Polanski makes good movies. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're not Jeepers if, Creepers, too, yeah, if
10: you're going to excuse pedophilia. Which we're not movie. doing, by the right way. Exactly. I would never do that. Not in a million years. Sorry. Because <laughs> even I'll get the hate mail over that one.
1: Um, anyway. Moving on. Uh, let's see. Number one. A Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yes. Freddy's Revenge. yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> they about how I Jessie also is doubt like, that it is unintentionally gay. And Jesse is nude or half nude or you know, sweating and shirtless throughout like the entire movie. And the gym teacher.
4: Yeah. 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 They come to my, yeah, come over to my house afterwards and I will help you. Yeah. yeah. No way. <laughs> all right. So
1: uh, there you go. All right. 503-733-2970. Um, I don't know that we have time to do the high concept thing here. We were no, going to do... do the bad
3: food thing, right? Okay. Yeah,
1: we were going to do a bad th- food thing, and I don't know that we have time. But So we'll wrap it up because we got two film guys here. we got David Walker, okay. uh, and we have uh, Aaron Duran, and, of course, And Sarah we're all and going are...
3: to see Watchmen on Monday. And
1: we're going to see Watchmen. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're all film enthusiasts. And Sarah came in with this film yesterday yesterday that actually Sarah and Dave and I talked about quite a lot which was uh, I The Room.
3: It, and he, my friend Heather came over last night and she's just like I know we're going to watch it this weekend but I've just got to see like 20 minutes of it. So we watched the first 20 minutes of it and she thinks, she could not stop laughing. It's the I, worst thing ever. Yeah,
4: I've watched a trailer on Sarah's like, like three times. I must watch this film. With, like, a case of beer next to him, And I, was, I, I wasn't from.
3: sure that it was real. I thought that maybe, like, you know, we were being duped. But that guy is real. And David Walker says that, he, that he's talked it's to straight him straight the Internet. Yeah. And I've, I've watched, like, I've, I've, I'm obsessed with him now. And I've, like, looked uh, up interviews on YouTube and stuff. And he's just... Badass crazy and, like, completely creepy looking. Uh, so uh, as we head into the weekend, let's quickly
1: go around the room. And, Sarah, this may be your answer, but uh, if somebody is uh, out there and they're looking for something to watch this weekend, they're going to run a movie, buy a movie, and they don't want something good, they don't want something bad, they want something so bad it becomes great, would you recommend The Room or do you have a backup choice?
3: I always believe that if you haven't seen it yet, watch the best movie of your life, Repo, The Genetic Opera. All right, so It is go. the greatest movie ever.
1: Uh,
10: David Walker, a movie so bad it becomes golden. So bad it becomes golden. Uh, well, I, I think I'm going to be talking about this one on KUFO later on this evening. But I think I'm going to go with DC Cab. Yeah. Wow!
1: Yeah, yeah, for the win. Lisa Desjardins loves DC Cab. Uh, well, and I never Lisa, but Some you know cab what? Hero. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I need to marry her then. No, nah, she is. She at one point, and I didn't realize it. And she dropped a DC Cab reference at one point, like two years ago. When we were talking. Right. She's like, blah 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 blah, some line from DC Cab, and I'm like, and I actually stopped and I said, really? I said, is that intentional? Did you just do DC Cab? And she's like, I love that
4: movie. Well, I quote that movie all the time. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Good for you. All right, Aaron Duran. All right. Well, since Sarah took Repo: The Genetic Opera, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take that one. Uh, go rent Amazon Women on the Moon. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Ed Bagley Jr. Arsenio Hall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Andrew Dice Clay. Personalized Dice-Claid. porn. It's all there. You know
3: what I want to see after you guys have talked about it is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh, I got it. You I got the special edition. Right, yeah, yes, so That's, that's like Kyoto Brothers commentary. <laughs> and the thing is, it's... That's
1: almost different though because it's it's a B movie. I mean, it really is. Oh God! Speaking of which, don't let me uh let me just say this. Let me find this. Uh, let me find this email really quickly. While I give you my uh, choice for movie so bad it becomes golden, that would be Jaws: The Revenge. <sighs> uh, just sorry, Rain Carey and Michael kane, Who? It's like that whole thing about how Dennis Hopper has dry matches all the time in Waterworld it's like at certain points, like Michael Caine is just completely dry, even though he's just fallen into the ocean.
9: I
3: love Waterworld. I think it's totally underrated. And uh, remember,
4: it couldn't pick up his Oscar because he was filming <laughs> John's The Revenge. That's
1: right. That's right. I think he got an Oscar for like Hannah and her sisters, but uh-huh. he couldn't be
3: there. I'm filming John's The Revenge. Hey,
1: don't forget, I don't have the details in front of me tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. That is Saturday. If you're not doing anything else, you, yeah, I, I, sh- I know it, I should be killed. The toolbox murders. Toolbox murders. At the tomorrow, Hollywood oh, Theater uh, oh, and a dancing, 35 millimeter yeah. print starring Wesley from Land of the Lost. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe I didn't mention that earlier. The two such box a fool. murders is righteous. There's only one toolbox murder, though. That's the disappointing thing about it. There's only one toolbox murder, and then the movie becomes something altogether more disturbing. Yes.
4: I mean, it's no New York Ripper, but what is?
1: Seriously, and it stars Wesley from Land of the Lost. So toolbox murders tomorrow at the Hollywood Theater, 35-millimeter uh, print. We want to thank David Walker from badassmofo.com or DavidWalkerSite.com, Aaron Duran and Scott Daly from geekinthecity.com. We want to thank Cena radio correspondents Ed McCarthy, Lisa Desjardins, and Steve Kastenbaum. Rick Emerson, Show produced today. And David, the lovely and talented Stone for AM970, The Talker. In the newsroom, David Walker. On the phones, Richard. Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, and of course, CBS radio, Portland marketing guru, Susan, do with me, Reynolds, don't forget, Musicology this Sunday night at 7, thanks for listening, be safe, watch out for snakes, see you all Monday, bye. One thing
5: about living in Santa Carla, I never could stomach, all the damn vampires.